1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Pond Eagles Hockey Eagles postgame show. And you could put this one in the annals of one of the worst losses ever. The Eagles lose to the Seattle Seahawks tonight, 20-17. to And how did they lose? They lost because Drew Locke, of all quarterbacks, hit the Seahawks 92 yards down the field in a minute 24. The guy was afraid to throw the ball past five yards all night. All of a sudden, he hooks up with a couple of bombs, one to D.K. Metcalf, and then the killer, a 29-yard touchdown to Jackson Smith-Najigba, who beat James Bradbury, who was also in the other play to D.K. Metcalf. So, uh, listen, I, I got to tell you this. Had, had they even survived this game, folks— Had they even survived this game, it would have been a hollow W because it's obvious now that this Philadelphia Eagles team has lost some electrical current. And so what does this portend for the playoffs? Well, for me, it portends nothing. It means to me they can get beat in any single game they go into in the playoffs. But for the short term, in the playoffs, what they did tonight was relinquish a possible number one seed to the San Francisco 49ers. You can take that off the board now because they just threw that away. Had they run the table and hoped that the 49ers would lose to the Ravens, they still had a shot. Now where are they? I'm Mike Misanelli. Here's the crew tonight. It's Mark Farzetti. It's Bill Collarudo. And, of course, Seth Joyner. Seth, I'm going to go to you. I need your reaction
3: right away. I'm not shocked. I'm really not shocked. Because on my show this week, I ended my show with my prediction. And I said, the Eagles are going to lose this game 17-21. to Okay, so I was one point off of my prediction. But I had the sense that the Eagles would find themselves tonight, you know, and win this football game. So, of course, I changed my prediction, you know, before the show and went 28-14. to um, I know everybody wants me to explode and go off. I'm just not doing it tonight because, you know, I'm out of that type of energy. This just this I said last week, this is not a good football team. And they just confirmed what I said. And it seems to me like the Eagles are really searching for too many things at this point in time. I've never seen so many young guys play a game with so many implications as to what the end of the season was going to turn out to be like Patrick Johnson playing tonight. Um, Eli Ricks, and Joe playing tonight. Now, you already had one of your starters out, and you insert, you know, two rookies, and you're rotating them all through your lineup. You know, you got all these young players that are playing. Now, that, of course, didn't have anything to do with why they lost the game, but, you know, at the other end of the spectrum, you know, you, you changed defensive coordinators. How does that work? Because the same passive-ass mentality that you had that led to you know your other coordinator being fired and sent upstairs is the same passive ass attitude that you know Matt Patricia employed. Did you blitz Drew Locke at all on that last drive? You're gonna let Drew Locke, who hasn't done anything all night, walk 92 yards down the field, and you don't you don't think that you should blitz him one time to put him under duress so he never felt any pressure because you never applied any pressure to them all night long. So I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. This football team is going nowhere. Even they're in the playoffs, okay? But the truth of the matter is no matter who they wind up playing, this could be a one-and-done or two-and-done at best case scenario because they are not. The way they're constructed and the way that they're coached and the mentality of how this team plays – They're not even coming close to being San Francisco or or Dallas. The
2: reality of this whole thing is stunning to everybody who's an Eagle fan. So far as you look at this game, now, listen, I I thought they were going to escape. But it's still, I I look at it and I go, there's something missing. The juice is no longer
4: there that they used to have. So what happened? Well, I've never seen a team wreak so much of desperation but have no urgency to them whatsoever. And going into this game, what else can you call it other than reeking of desperation that when you fire defensive coordinator, it gets announced the day before the game you're flying out to Seattle, and now you're expecting some kind of miracle. The first two possessions of the game, both all, both offensively and defensively, it looked like a different team. A little bit more aggressive up front defensively, offensively. You actually saw a little bit of motion being used by this defense. They ran that tight end screen a little bit different than the way that we have seen them run it all season long. And then for the rest of that game, that goes out the window. The first drive of the game, you saw this team go up against one of the worst defenses in football and actually look like a competent offense and get into the red zone. One time they were able to punch it into score. The other time they had to settle for a field goal. And then every time after that, they really struggled against one of the worst defenses with a healthy offense against this Seattle team. I understand tough to win in Seattle, tough to go across the country. Uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't feeling well before the game, but all that came up small in this game against a very winnable game against the Seattle Seahawks. Bill, the, the world's upside down right now. At least
2: we've been for weeks. Yeah, and I know that we kept labeling this team the team that can't lose and the team that survives every week, and they do the right things to win. But that's all out the window now. We can't even – we can't look at that anymore. What, what did this – how did this fall so fast and, and so certain?
5: You know, I think we were all enamored by the fact that they kept winning football games. But when we really go back, with hindsight being 2020, it hasn't happened fast. We're now talking about 14 games. This team is a negative six turnover differential on the season. Jalen Hurts looks lost out there. I don't know if he doesn't have faith in his offensive coordinator, if he doesn't have faith in the game plan they're calling. Jalen Hurts does not look good, and he hasn't looked good for a few games. And on the defensive side of the football, I know Seth's upset that Matt Patricia wasn't more aggressive. I am as well, but I don't even know if Jim Johnson would have made a difference on this defense. When your personnel is who's out there, I know Sidney Brown's playing his butt off, trying to make plays. The guy's, he's too young. We knew he was raw coming out of college. You got James Bradbury, clearly lost a step. You let a rookie, Jackson Smith Najigba, beat you on a double move on that play at the end of the game. It's just this team has been trying to tell us who they are for 14 games now. And we all got enamored by the fact that they kept winning football games. But when we take a step back and you look, they were lucky to get the 10 wins that they've gotten. They haven't dominated anybody. The defense hasn't played well outside of a couple halves of football. I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. I'm starting to be out on this team. And as I sit here now, they're not doing anything. This, You know what
3: I love, Bill? Can I borrow that? This team, all season long, he's 100% correct. All season long, this football team has been trying to tell us who they were. But because they were winning so much, they were lucking into some of these wins, we just chose to ignore it, you know. And, you know, I I think now that all of Philadelphia can see, you know, who they really are. They're not the team that we thought they were on so many levels. And I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm not going to put it all on the players. Because I witnessed too much stuff in the game that tells me, that, listen, there's no creativity offensively. You know, when you should be running on the edges, they're running right up the middle. Guys are getting beat in the middle. You know, when you should be running outside, when you're supposed, to be, when you should be running inside, you're running outside. You know, the pass plays look like they have no continuity to them. It's Jalen Hurts looks lost. He doesn't go through a progression. It's like I'm throwing the ball to A.J. Brown or I'm throwing the ball over here or I'm throwing the ball over here, and he locks onto that guy and he does not come on, off. Defensively, heck yeah, they're searching. They're searching because they're old at corner and they can't get it done anymore, you know, and they can't stop the run because they've ignored the linebacker position. I don't care if you put six defensive linemen out there. If your linebackers can't fill the vacant gaps, you're not going to be able to stop the run. Shaq Leonard is nothing more than a Band-Aid, if at best. He's an old Band-Aid, okay? He's not a fix. He is not a fix. He is no better than what we had. So all that excitement about, oh, we got Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard has nothing. I'm watching a guy play. He has no speed. He has no power, no explosiveness. He has nothing, okay? And when you can't stop the run, you can't stop anything else. And when you're afraid to bring pressure, (laughs) <laughs> okay, because you're so afraid that you're going to give up so much on the back end. You're playing, you're playing to die, okay? I mean, you, you, you let this guy walk the ball down the field. You're playing not to lose. And anytime you're playing not to lose out of a position of fear, guess what? Nine times out of ten, you usually lose.
2: Seth, let me ask you this as, a, as an ex-player who has been in the, in the locker room for, for a lot of years. The calamity of the defensive coordinator situation last week. Uh, which is a desperate move that a lot of people say, well, you had to do it. But when you do something like that, and you do it in the middle of the week, and we don't find out about it till Sunday when it breaks as news, what does that do to a football team? Because you're introducing this kind of desperation by doing that.
3: Well, you know, I said in the, in, in the pregame that you're not making that much of a change. It's not like Matt Patricia is taking his defense and now installing it and the players are ready to run his defense, yeah, they did some different things. They did a couple of different things. But I guarantee you that defense that you saw was in concert with what Sean Desai had been doing all year long. He just added a couple of wrinkles. Now, when you add new wrinkles during the week and you run it for the first time, you're not going to be proficient at it. So I don't know. I don't (laughs) understand the move.
2: Well, you're telling the team we're in trouble. This is why we're making this move. We're in trouble. Does that concept resonate in a locker room?
3: Well, you – from your perspective, you're saying you're telling the team you're telling the team that that you're in trouble. But I would submit to you that the message was sent through the players because when Kevin Byard says, "Oh, coach, maybe you should let us, you know, do the scouting report yeah, that's for the part of this but, whole equation." So, so, so there was already a fracture there between the players and the DC to begin with. Okay, so if that's fractured, you're not going to tell me that you're going to bring the guy that's been sitting in the room. All year long. There's a party to everything that's going on in the room and he's gonna make that much of a difference. Yeah, but hell no.
5: Let's be honest. The defense shouldn't have let up a ten play, 92 yard drive, but they shouldn't even have been in a position to win the game at the end of the game. The offense put up seventeen points against the twenty-eighth ranked defense in the NFL. And we don't have a lot of banged up guys on that offense. All of our money's on that offense. The only player you're missing is Cam Jurgens. You should be able to put up more than 17 damn points against the Seattle Seahawks. You scored seven points on the first drive of the game. You scored seven points on your first drive of the second half. And you scored three points the rest of the football
3: game. And, How Bill, I score? agree with you wholeheartedly. But at the end of the day, you want to know what the defense's job is? They got to hold the lead to there. Stop, stop the other team from scoring. Now, I'm not okay? absolving the defense.
5: But when you look at this <laughs> offense...
3: 17 points against Seattle. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Seattle's defense is giving up 24 points a game. So how in the world are you only managing 17?
5: And they're missing their best rookie, Devin Witherspoon. They're playing without their safety, Jamal Adams. But, again, the way they did it to, to take the lead in this game, the, the game plan was focused
2: on running the football. Well, well, that, that first drive, 15 plays. They ran it 10 times. They, we
4: thought they had set a, a blueprint for how they were going to play this game. And then suddenly it disappears. What, what is so, well, aside from everything else, it's so annoying to see them actually game plan well for it and have a plan in place to start out a football game well. And then they get away from that. And then to compound that when they start throwing the football more, Jalen Hurts, for whatever reason, starts having his most, one of those more inaccurate games that we have seen him have in recent times and then carries that into the second quarter as well throws the interception in the end zone when he's looking for Quez Watkins. I know a lot of people focusing on the fact he shouldn't be looking at Quez, but he was, and he drastically underthrew that football. So to see an offensive game plan finally come out, start fast, we actually see motion established with this offense, which we don't see. We see them run that, like we pointed out earlier, the tight end screamers run a little bit differently. Then they focus on the run a little bit more. You saw them do things that we've been calling for all season long. They have success with it, including the slant route to A.J. Brown, which they ran. It went well. They got away from it, went back for, went back to it, ran it well again, got yards out of it, and then abandoned it again. So you see them do things that we've been calling for, and they actually work. Then they get away from it. Then defensively, yeah, I understand it's a 20-point game. It's nothing worth bragging about. Offense should have definitely stepped up. But you see them be a little bit aggressive in the start of a game, actually see press coverage on the outside with a single high safety, something you rarely ever saw, if ever, with Sean Desai. A little bit of a difference there, a little bit of a wrinkle there with Matt Patricia, and again, they get away from it. So uh, this team, again, to go back to this word, it is desperation with this team. Desperation with no urgency equals a ton of losses.
3: Mark, they are who they are. I tried to tell, uh, you know... I that doesn't try- mean I have to like it. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, listen, y- you keep hearing getting better, oh, we got to get better. You don't get better at this time of the year. You are you are who you are. So you're either peaking at this time of the year or you're not, okay? So you'll hear Jalen come to the podium tonight and talk about, you know, we, we didn't get it done, we got to get better. The standard. Okay? You, you, listen, that's complete BS, Okay. Because if you're not better at this time, you're not getting better over the next three weeks, okay? The only time you're going to get better is in March, April, May, June, and July of next year, okay? Because right now, right now, this football team is what it is, both offensively, defensively, special teams-wise, and from a coaching staff perspective, they are who they are, and they're not getting any better, okay? They're not.
4: One thing I'll say this about the way that game ended, Mike. To go back to Bill, to your point about how they've been telling us all year who they are, earlier in the season they play the Washington Commanders at home, and Reed Blankenship has his arm stepped on, leading the receiver. I think it was McLaurin, and I forget who it was. He ends up stepping out of bounds. It was like a game of inches like that. Same exact way for this game to end. The defensive back's feet just in bounds to seal that deal for the Seahawks. If it was yeah. maybe six but weeks ago, it would have ended in you know,
2: Eagles' favor. Uh, it, ironically, and you look back at it, and I guess it was the right call at the time, challenges the call. The Seattle Seahawks will have a fourth and two. The challenge sets them back five yards and uh, they have to kick the field goal. That eventually sets up Seattle's chance to win the game with a touchdown. But going 92 yards with Drew Locke as the quarterback, they give up two third and tens on monster (laughs) plays. And Seth is right. At that point, the defense has to cinch the deal. You can't
4: Possibly allow Drew Locke to take that team 92 yards. I am not at all surprised that Drew Locke, Drew Lock, quote, unquote, led him down the field. I, this su- wide receiving core against this secondary. But, but, but he, he, didn't, he didn't do it all game. And at the, at the, at the yeah. most important time of the game. Yep. They relinquished that. And were the Eagles the least aggressive on that final possession by the Seahawks? Of course they were. Of course they were. So with that wide receiving core against this defense, against this secondary, and Drew Locke, who can at least complete a pass at the NFL level, nothing great, not going into the Hall of Fame, obviously, but he's able to just hit his spots down the field, making those two big plays, including on the game-winning touchdown over your best corner in James Bradbury.
3: what? you want to know what the difference is? He watched... He had a whole game to watch the type of defense that the Eagles were playing, so that when he got into the two-minute situation, he knew what they was gonna run. So he knew where to go with the football. There was no indecisiveness in Drew Lock. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly where to go with the ball and where, because this speaks to, you know, the predictability of the Eagles on both sides of the ball. They're predictable defensively. I, I, I just got to look real quick. I'm just trying to see how many yards did the Eagles have in total offense? You know,
2: they had 178 on the ground, 82 of them by by Jalen Hurts, 143 um, passing the football. Today. But uh, but my are so talking but,
3: what? But my point is my point is this is a football team that they played against that you can't have that few yards in this game. You can't. It, it, they just. They didn't get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And, again, they've been doing it all year long. And they've gotten away with it more times than not. But they've let teams hang around and hang around and hang around. And teams that you're supposed to beat, you're supposed to step on their throat, okay, and, and choke them out you know, as soon as you can. Because the longer you allow a team like the Seattle Seahawks to hang around, the more they begin to believe that they can beat you. And they hung around just enough to win. Now they got another team up, up in the Meadowlands coming in here. Okay, you think that as bad as that team is, do you think that Devito thinks that he can't beat the Eagles right now? That he can't no, do I mean, that what, he can't do what, what Drew Locke just did? I promise you, he he it, does.
2: The certain part about this game tonight is that they now it is now possible to lose one of those three games they have left.
3: Oh, they're going Two to Two with the Giants and one hey, with the part. There's no question. It's not mind. even a possibility. They, they are that. going to lose another game,
2: and that makes them. The fifth seed. That's where they end up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, th- th- in the first, in the first, as the fifth seed,
3: it doesn't matter.
2: It, it, does, I'm just trying to project it. Out. I understand that they but can't possibly, wait, as the fifth seed,
3: get past the second round, Mike. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if, if by chance they wound up as the number one seed, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. You know, I, I, I believed that they could beat Detroit and Dallas. The big question mark was could they beat San Francisco. But I now believe that they can't beat either one of now those you're teams. You're
2: absolutely right. Any game that they would play in the playoffs, aside from maybe Tampa Bay, and that game would be in Tampa Bay, by the way, um, it, they, they, have, they have taken the belief out of everybody here. Um, you know, At one point, we were hanging in there thinking they could do this, they could do that. This game
5: tonight shows that they they are running on batteries that are dying. The problem is they change the coach on the defense. What they really need to do is change the personnel, which they can't do. You go to the offense, they should be changing the coach, which they're not going to do because (laughs) it's your head coach. There's nothing this team can do over the next three games that are going to make me feel good that they're going to beat anybody in the playoffs, even going to the NFC South opponent in the wild card. Yeah, that's the hardcore reality of this game tonight. And, and we
2: may have had that reality had they s- escaped tonight. Because we're, we're looking at this and going, what is this team? What, they have no fizz. No, they look like they have fizzled out. And that's uh, to right, your so, point so, of so, la- lack of energy. That's exactly what they have. All right, so did, did, let me ask you this, Seth, about Jalen Hurts. Ha- has he regressed? Because we could see it that he's not seeing certain receivers, that he's not seeing the whole field. Or, this, or the illness that preceded this whole thing, does that have anything to do with the way he looked tonight?
3: I, I'm, I'm not going to give him, you know, and I've been one of Jalen's biggest defenders. I'm not going to give him that excuse tonight because, you know, usually when you're not feeling well, that's when you're like laser focused, you know. But we're, I'm seeing the same thing week after week out of Jalen. There are, there are guys that are open that he's missing. He's locking on his receivers. He's leaving the pocket sometimes too fast. And even, there, even there's times where he's out of the pocket and he realizes that there's nowhere to run Where well, he doesn't throttle down and let something come back to him or something go deep. You know, he just keeps running. So, you know, I don't think that optimally the offense is really working at the level that it should. Something's changed. Either teams have, got, have, have found a blueprint for stopping this offense – or they've taken so much of what used to make this offense work out of the offense that it's stagnant because it's highly predictable. It's not creative whatsoever. You know, I see teams running, you know, bubble screens to tight ends and and screens to backs that they work. We can't run a screen to save our lives. You know, instead of us putting the tight end outside and the wide receiver inside and having – the wide receiver block out on the cornerback and run the tight end back underneath, we got him running, we have got him bubbling towards the, 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 the wide receiver that's blocking and, and the, the, the defender just running right into him. It's like, how many times as a coaching staff do you look at that and realize that ain't working? But they just keep doing it over and over and over and over again, and teams are prepared for it over and over and over again.
5: Look, I'm not I'm not taking the blame away from Jalen Hurts. He needs to play better. Not but, at all. But what I see is a quarterback that has zero faith in the offensive scheme and the offensive there play caller. And I think that's why you're seeing him take chances that he shouldn't be taking. Instead of taking the little dink and dunk plays to get down the field, he's trying
3: to pick it all up in one big play. He wasn't even pressured tonight. Offensive greed is what I call it because instead of them instead of them sticking with their plan, you know so I, I think it was you, farzi that gave me the stat and the, gave us the stat in the in the pregame that Seattle runs zone eighty-three percent of the time, okay? most in the NFL. So you start off the game, you know, firing the ball to AJ Brown in the, in a the hole, firing the Brown to Dallas, the ball to Dallas Goddard in the hole, converting third downs, and then all of a sudden, as the game goes along, where did those plays go? They still run the same the same zones that they ran at the beginning of the game where are those plays because they couldn't stop it early in the game so why aren't you going back to those plays later in the game you know it looks just like a a totally different offense it seems like all of their pass plays are from the hash marks and out like they're afraid to throw the ball across the middle of the field and that's the most vulnerable part of the defense
2: It's not a well-coached team right now and the head coach listen we've buried head coaches for less than this in this town right <laughs> Um, Nick Sirianni is the guy who wants to be the overseer of everything. Well, there's a, a classic example. If you're the overseer, you go, we're not doing this. We used to do this. <laughs> we were successful doing this. Ultimately, it comes down to the head coach not doing his job right
4: now. Especially if you're the offensive mind and you're the offensive game planner for all this. And I understand Brian Johnson is supposedly calling the majority of the plays, but Nick Sirianni has a bigger say in it than we originally thought at the start of the season but when you see things work and then get away from it it's dumbfounding but a lot of this does boil down in this particular game maybe not over the entire stretch to the accuracy or rather inaccuracy of Jalen Hurts tonight and that is extremely troublesome and you imagine maybe not trusting the talent some I think in some instances he might be trusting them a little too much for instance going to Quez Watkins in the middle of the end zone at that particular point in the game a little ballsy and then, of course, he underthrows that ball drastically. Coming out in the second quarter, you see him miss Devontae Smith on an out route. You see him overthrow A.J. Brown on a comeback. And then coming out in the fourth quarter, the same type of thing. And I don't know what was in his head tonight. I don't know what was wrong with him. But did not see him go through his progressions at all tonight. There was one out he threw to A.J. Brown where he just stared him down. His head never moved. And he was not even close to being open, and he drastically underthrew him on that play. And meanwhile, at the same time, he had DeAndre Swift open in the flat on that play, and he never even looked his way. And, and there was a play with Devontae Smith, uh, a similar play, where
2: he missed him there as well. The numbers for him, he was 17 for 31 for 143. I mean, and, and his average uh, uh, attempt, uh, yards per attempt, was less than five yards. It was worse than Drew Locke. For crying out
4: loud tonight <laughs> drew lock doubled him in, in pass per
5: attempt it's guys, like ridiculous you remember after the eagles won super bowl 52 the following year the offense struggled a little bit and i think it was overblown how much frank reich had to do with the offense instead of doug peterson well i don't think we'd be overblowing the fact that this team severely misses shane Steichen as an offensive play caller i don't know if we appreciated him as much as we should have last season because you look at what the job he's doing in indianapolis with gardner Minshew. Man, I'd love to have
4: Shane Steichen on this offensive coaching staff right now because they are lost, man. Lost and desperate. And I I have never seen a desperate team that also had urgency do anything special. And this team does not have any of that urgency to go along with the desperate. Well, but,
3: I mean, that's the thing (laughs) that's, you know, when I used to – case in point, when I used to coach my my youth players, I said – I got them together at practice one day. I said, listen – I said, someone could be bigger, faster, stronger than you are or more athletically gifted than you are, okay? I said, but the one thing that you all have that's non-negotiable if you're going to play on this team, you all have the ability to give effort. I mean, you could be as slow as a snail, but if if you're grinding it out, trust me, okay? As a coach and as your teammates, we can appreciate that. When I look at this football team, Sometimes I see the effort, sometimes I don't. But I just don't see the urgency on every single play to get the job done, to fight till the whistle is blown, to make sure to do everything right, understanding what's at stake. What's at stake is an opportunity. You guys had a taste of what the Super Bowl was like last year, and you fell just short. How in the world can you come out and play the way that you played three weeks in a row realizing – that you have a legitimate shot to be a Super Bowl team. The only thing that I can think of is that, you know what, it's either not that important to them or, you know, the, the way that this team is strategizing isn't good enough, the coaching staff isn't good enough. You know, all of those things come into play here. All of those things come into play here, Mike.
2: I, I think we can fairly say that tonight Hope died. <laughs> and I'm really, I'm not tr- uh, trying to overstate that. In the context of what this team could do, hope died. Because now you're not certain whether they can actually win a playoff game. Yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs, and we're going to get all excited, and we're going to, you know, it's another week of football, and maybe something good can happen. But uh, you, you have to come to a conclusion, if they're the way they lost this game, that they are not worthy to make a run in the playoffs, no matter what it is. They might win a game. Uh, and I hate to say it. I hate to say, I, I'm a big hope man, Farzi. You are. I one. Ho- hope keeps us going. You sell us a and, lot of and, hope. And if hope died, uh, that's a bad thing. Let's take a breath right now and uh, let's talk about Gary Kane. Gary, save us. Because if you're looking right now to hire <laughs> in the IT and engineering, manufacturing, or technology fields, then contact our man, Gary Kane, and his team at Kane Partner Stamping Solution. And here's how you can connect.
6: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
7: Go to get your game on, go for the beers.
9: Wings, buy Hooters things Christmas is near shop have a beer Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard give your friends a Hooters gift card this year stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card make it Hooters for the holidays eat chicken wings buy Hooters things Christmas is near gift cards are here good at Hooters everywhere now Hooters gifts are always favored
2: Oh, it's the Pond of the Hockey Eagles postgame show. We're live from Ocean Casino. I'm Mike Masnelli with Mark Farzetta, Bill Calarulo, and Seth Joyner. The Eagles lose 20-17. to I can't even get that out of my mouth. I can't believe it. It's their third loss in a row. It changes the picture about what this season could be at this point. So let's bring in the man who suffered along with us from home watching this game. Of course, you saw him on, on this set many weeks as we lauded the Eagles and their great <laughs> uh, record. Uh, Derek Gunn joins us. Uh, D-Gunn, I, I mean, I just don't know what to say, except the realization has hit tonight, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's really tough to deal with. Your thoughts?
10: Um, th- the first thing that comes to mind is, as bad as it's going right now, this team is still probably going to win the division. When you look at the rest of their schedule, and you look at Dallas's schedule, they'll probably end up as the number two seed, which means absolutely nothing right now. You allowed a backup quarterback and a rookie receiver who had two touchdown catches before tonight to beat you in the most critical moment of the game. I think the one thing that really stands out is at the most crucial point of the game, Seattle went at James Bradbury. They didn't go at Ke- Keely Ringo. They didn't go at Sidney Brown. They went at Bradbury. Incredible catch by Metcalf down the sideline. And of course, an incredible catch by Njig- Njigba for the game uh, winning touchdown. Um I thought I thought the first half the Eagles called a good game they had 22 24 rushing attempts it was a close game but it was they they ran the ball we've been screaming run the football they ran the football with some authority in that first half the second half I don't know what the heck they were doing to be honest with you and, and nothing stands out more glaring on the on the drive right before Seattle goes 92 yards. With a buck 52 left in the game to win the game. The Eagles ran the ball six consecutive times. And then on the third and seven, Jalen Hurts is running all over the field and then throws it to Goddard. It's incomplete. You stop the clock. Seattle only had one timeout left. Even if you didn't pick up the first down, why not run the ball, either force them to use that final timeout or take a few more seconds off the clock? The, the play calling in the second half was very sketchy compared to the first half. And lo and behold, it did them in.
4: And, Gunnar, on that note, they make this giant change, of course, here with their defensive coordinator, the defensive play caller. And then, you know, offensively, they're not going to make any changes with who's calling the plays. But it at least seemed like in the early goings of this game, they were doing some things different. You're having Dallas Goddard sit down in the middle of zone coverage. You're having a little motion go there. I think it was Jack Stahl in the backfield. Then you're having a little motion with Dallas Goddard on the outside as well. You actually saw some motion in this game. And you also, as you pointed out, they committed the running the, the running the football early w- what the hell happened to all that the rest of the way
10: we have been questioning um the play calling offensively from for most of this season even when they were winning you know and, and you know I, I heard seth talk about it a number of times about how people wanted to jump on us because we can't just be happy with the win no because we see certain tendencies. As I said weeks ago, if you keep doing these same things, they're going to come back and bite you in the butt. Well, they have now for three consecutive weeks. I don't know what they're thinking. Now, are we going to are we going to be surprised by another change in play calling on the offensive side of the football this week since it was last week? And, Mark, I tweeted out right after the game. I said, after watching this game, I'm convinced, um, especially when it comes to the defense, it, it's not the coordinators. It's the player personnel. You know, you, you, I understand you've been patching up your secondary. I understand uh, you're asking kids to do a lot of thing, and things and, and your team's going to look good in the future. But it's the veteran presence that's not making the necessary plays when they have to. It's, they got two sacks, but they don't get sacks at the opportune times in this game. Bradbury picked on, of all people, you would think it would be one of the kids getting picked on. Bradbury gets picked on that's been the case for weeks now with him so teams are identifying that you can attack this team a certain way and find a measure of success
5: d gun i agree with you 100 percent, man everybody blames the coaches everybody wanted to fire sean desai now they're calling to fire brian johnson we give howie roseman a ton of credit when he does good things This falls squarely on Howie Roseman's shoulders. You look at that defense. They ignored the linebacker position. Look where they are now. They let both of their starting safeties go. Look where they are now. He decided to give money to two aging corners. Now, I know Slay's been playing well on paper. James Bradbury has been a disaster all season. He just got beat by a rookie. Is there anything they can do to fix this defense? They now try changing the defensive coordinator, but if it's the personnel, they are who they are.
10: No, you are exactly. That's what I was going to say. You are who you are at this point. Um, <clears throat> it's too late to fix what isn't working right now. You can only you can only hope that you can get breaks to go your way. If you look at the first part of the season when they were racking up the wins, they were putting up points, yes, but they weren't dominating teams like they did a season ago. They and I hate to use this term, but you look at a number of those wins, how they won those games. Lady luck was definitely on their side. Now you look at what has happened to this team and they played two very good defenses before this game in San Francisco and Dallas. But this is an offense that was averaging 28 points a game that has now scored five offensive touchdowns in the last three games. The personnel has not been out. I mean, defensively, they've been nicked up offensively. For the most part, the personnel has been intact the whole season. Offensive lineman here or there, but outside of that, the pass catchers, the running backs, they've been intact. But for some reason, this offense is bogged down. Whether it's defensive schemes, again, that they're, they're seeing in game time that they don't see in film, um, or whether it's just the lack of execution. And it's going to be interesting coming out of this game to hear what players are saying, not just tonight, but even a few days from now after it's sunk in, what happened in this game tonight, how they perceive what has happened to them. I mean, in a grander scheme of things, Every team in the National Football League has gone through a slump. The vaunted 49ers, three-game slump. Look at Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati lost their quarterback. The only team that's been really balling, and even Baltimore has has three losses. So every team has hit a slump. Can you bounce back from that slump? Baltimore, yes. San Francisco, yes. Philadelphia remains to be seen.
3: Oh, there's nothing remaining to be seen, D-Gun. They're toast. You're not, you're not coming. They're not coming back from this psychologically, you know.
10: Because- Here's the thing, Seth. Though Seth, I'll tell you. This. Here's the thing. <clears throat> the last three games, two against the Giants, one against Arizona. They win those games. People are going to give them a break until the second season. Now, people are smart enough to already look at this team and say, I don't think they could beat Dallas if they have to go to Dallas. I, they can't beat San Francisco if they have to go to San Francisco. Hey, they might not even be be able to beat whoever wins the NFC South on the road. If they're the five C going to the playoffs, but they'll they'll they I expect them to run this table. And I said this last week, I think Arizona's going to be the team that gives them the biggest problem over the last three sets. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to interject.
3: No, that. it's it's all good. Listen, they're going to lose another game because yep. you know if if the mentality is oh you know we can win these last three games, you know you don't disrespect anybody. You think that the Giants and the Cardinals don't believe that they can beat the. Beat, beat the car, beat the eagle, beat, beat the Eagles right now. Based upon how yep. they played the last three weeks, you know they're frothing at the mouth because everybody wants to win. So they're going to come in here and 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 play the best game that they can play against this Eagles team and hope that they can yep. get the similar yep. result than they've been getting. Um, but you know, listen, we, we've talked about the Eagles being who they are, and you know I think Bill had to had the line of the night. I'm a hashtag, and I'm a. I might even coin that. They've been trying to tell us all season, D, who they are, okay, yeah. and we've we've fallen in love with the wins, however they could get them, yes. and we we yep. even talked we even talked about it, you know, while we were watching the end of the game, when we presumed right. that the Eagles are going to win the game, you know, and the, and the, yep. the, the the running the laughing quote was, you know, hey, oh, just be happy they, they found a way to win, oh, their resiliency, you know, but you want to know yep. something. Let, let, let me talk about the resiliency and the determination and all of those other things because I don't hear good football teams talking about being resilient. They just go out and yeah. beat your ass. That's what they do. Right. You know, right. the resiliency thing comes into play when you got to scrape and scrap to try to beat teams that you should really beat. So now you want to talk about how resilient we are, you know, and I, I know I'm on, I'm on my pedestal and I should be asking you a question right now. But I'm gonna throw it out yeah. to everybody else that wants to talk about. Oh, it's easy to say that hindsight. No, 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 hell no. Okay, we've been saying this all year long, and the people yeah. who didn't want to be realists, the people who right. didn't want to be realists about what this team was really trying to show us, they. Right. Be quiet. You know, they they five and zero. Oh. oh, they five and one. Oh, they yeah. six Why seven, so eight, negative. Nine and 10 Why yeah. you're yeah. negative? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now that those chickens have come home to roost. I don't want to hear nobody say a damn word to me about, oh, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight. No, nope. they've been trying to prove to us all year long that this, this team that you just saw tonight lose to the Seattle Seahawks with a minute and 54 left on the clock. Yep. That team yep. is the team that they've been trying to show you all year long that that's who they were.
10: You know what? Uh, I couldn't have said it any better. Um this, this is a team. Think about the youth that they're relying on on this defensive side. And, you know, Jalen Carter got off to a phenomenal start. Jordan Davis. You know, we couldn't wait to see Sidney Brown. But again, tackling was a problem again tonight. You, Kenneth Walker was shaking people left and right. You know, like a gorilla shaking coconuts from a tree. You know, how many times? How many times did he break tackles when they thought they had this young man down? You know, and the one that stands out the most is when we thought he had him for a loss. Cindy Brown grabbed him high shoulders behind the line of scrimmage. He shook it and picked up seven yards down the left sideline. That has been a problem all season long. Players being out of position has been a problem all season long. Players lack of communication has been a problem all season long. And again, when you have pro, uh, personnel rotating in and out, it's hard to get some of that continuity. But I, when I when I made the statement on social media a few weeks ago, I think about a month ago when I said, Byer and Roby are not the solutions on this defense. People wanted to chew me up. What have they done since they've been here? Made a Nothing. play here or there? Have they played like so-called upper echelon safeties, nickel, nickel corner? No, you know. So you, you know, sometimes we get we get enamored and, and, and starstruck with the name that's being brought in. It was the same thing with Robert Quinn was brought in. He was coming off an 18 sack season a few seasons ago. He gets here. He's in a witness protection program. You don't hear from him all season long. Okay, you bring these guys in this year. They, whatever the case may be, they don't fit the system, and this is going to be a glaring problem moving forward. Now they will rectify some some things against inferior talent coming up in the Giants in Arizona. But we are watching this, and I'm not just saying us in the media, ex-athletes who critique this game and see things that the average eye doesn't see, but now every fan is looking at these little things a lot closer because they're magnifying themselves every week.
2: D, uh, you said something uh, that, yeah, they're probably going to win out and uh, get the second seed. Here's the thing that I'm convinced – they could lose to anybody now. They could lose yes. one of those games to the Giants. They could lose to the Arizona yes. Cardinals. That, 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 that's no longer immunity that these are easy right. teams. I thought they would have a chance maybe the Seattle could win tonight, uh, but I never thought they could possibly lose to the Giants or the Cardinals coming up. Now I absolutely believe that they could lose one of those games, which takes them completely out of the 2 seed. See, you,
10: snick, you snickered at me when I said that. That Arizona's <laughs> going to give them a problem because Arizona. Yeah, but you, is a, but you team. just
2: said a couple minutes ago that they're they're, they're not probably not going to have any problems winning the rest of the game. They're going to be a no, second seed. It's changed the, now. No, I said
10: the problem. No, it has not changed. Pro- if they win out, they're going to get they're going to get a mulligan until the playoffs roll around. They should win these last three games as bad as they're playing right now. When you look at the Giants and you look at Arizona, but Mike, what have we seen every week in the National Football League? We have seen shockers every week in the National Football League all season long. I said that based on the fact that when you look at man for man, personnel for personnel, the Eagles should win these last three games. But when we look at the way they played the last three, nothing is a gimme for this team.
2: Nothing. Well, that's see, that to me is the reality of this whole thing tonight. That I never ever thought that they could possibly lose a game to the, to the two, to, right. to, to, with the two left right. with the Giants and the Cardinals. But now I go, yeah, of course they could. I never thought that before tonight.
3: I don't know why. <laughs>
2: <laughs> because of the rationale that, that D-Gun said. I just think that the Eagles were so much better than those lousy teams. They no, proved tonight it, that they're, they're not of that upper echelon they've anymore. They've been proving it
3: all year long, man. Yeah, they I were know, just but this lucky. Was, this was the period. No. This was
2: the exclamation point.
3: No, no it ain't. Uh, uh, for, no, they ain't. Listen, we saw it. <clears throat> we saw it against the Jets. Tell me what did they do different tonight than you saw against the Jets in that loss.
4: They only turned the ball over twice in this one. They did four times against the Jets. Okay. But, I mean, the, the Jets game was one of those games that I did look at at the time as one of them anomalies where it was a 4-0 game in terms yeah, of the because turnovers. You, cause it you was, was terrible.
3: Because dr- you was drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> they were, okay.
4: f- what, 5-0
3: at that point? Yeah, yeah, and coming you... off a Super Bowl appearance? Hey, listen. <laughs> I understand. But Bill had the quote of the night, man. I'm going to use it until I can't use it no more. Even after five games, they was trying to show you who they were. Okay. And then when they showed you who you, who they were against the Jets, we refused to believe it. We said, "Oh, it was just a bad week. Oh, it was just a bad week. They'll get over it." Well, and they did. They ran off five more, and then they ran into a buzzsaw and got their ass handed to them. You know, two weeks in a row. Right.
4: But even at ten and one, I didn't look at the team. And go, oh, ten and one. But they're a Super Bowl favorite because they they didn't show me that they could dominate. Oh, I forgot any other you're team. not a fan. <laughs> I am a media <laughs> member. But uh, Gunner. Looking at this Yo. team, uh, the big change that they did make, uh, look, this game sucked tonight. The Eagles sucked tonight, and I would not be shocked in the least bit if they lost even two more games on the schedule right now. Right. Right. However, right. I, I have to ask this question because you're a man that's so plugged into the goings-on there at the NovaCare Complex. How did this come up with Sean Desai being pushed aside from Matt Patricia, and when did this come up? Because... You saw Sean Desai still do his press conference on Wednesday. He's still technically the defensive coordinator. I'm going to go ahead and assume he's not going to do another press conference as the defensive coordinator this upcoming week. And are there any more changes coming to this coaching staff in any way, shape, or form, including play calling? To answer
10: the first part of your question, uh, I have not gotten any definitive answers in terms of why the the switch was made. They've been very hush-hush about that. A lot of rumors have been out there. A lot of speculation has been out there. But I would say this, um, out of desperation, don't be surprised if we hear that Nick Sirianni will now be calling the offensive plays. I'm not (laughs) saying I have any inside information. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying the way things are going right now, and again, let me go back to something I said a few moments ago. This offense that was averaging 28 points a game through the first half of the season has scored five offensive touchdowns the last three games. And granted, they were against teams that were their equals in terms of Dallas and San Francisco. But you barely put up 17 points against a 25th-ranked Seattle defense, a defense that gives up a lot of yards on the ground, which they did tonight, 178 yards, but was also giving up like 25 points a game, and you only mustered 17 against this Seattle team. And, And this team has never beaten Pete Carroll. Oh, Like 0-9 against Pete Carroll. That's the the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But what do you do at this point if you're the head coach? This is your offense. You are the architect of this offense. Yes, Shane Steichen ran your offense last year. Now Brian Johnson is running it this year. You started out getting the results you wanted. It has tapered off significantly over the last three games. What do you do as a head coach? Might have to step in and take over the play calling. If you do that then you're telling us in the media that there's a whole lot of disjointed stuff going on within the structure of your organization, and you made bad decisions in hiring the side and elevating Brian Johnson.
5: There's definitely a problem with that offense, and you made some news last week saying that a player had told you they'd become predictable, and it looked like they were predictable tonight as well, and what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts is a guy who doesn't trust in the offensive scheme. A guy who's not trusting the play call. Is that what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts or is there something else going on? We were blaming the knee injury for a while. Doesn't look like that's the problem now. It's just bad decisions throughout that game tonight and really the whole season.
10: I don't I don't know if, if it if it's Jalen's injury. I think it's Jalen not reading a defense the way he did in 2022, and I don't know if it's because he's getting all these phantom looks from from defenses that they don't see on film. I don't know, and I'm not. You know, people want to use the word he's regressed. I'm not there yet. He's still a phenomenal talent. I don't know what it is. Is it a combination of Jalen maybe not trusting the offense and the play calling itself? The one deep ball he threw to Quest Watkins. Why would you take that shot? You didn't need that shot at that particular time. Now we've seen them do that in the past and have a good measure of success. And I understand when you are who you are, you're not going to change. And they, they took the shot, but I'm sitting there going, you didn't need to take that shot at that particular time. And of course, the DB got away with holding, as a lot of DBs do, got away with holding on that play. And of course, Julian Love makes an incredible pick. I, I, you know what, Bill? I don't know how to describe what we're looking at right now. An offense that barely musters 17 points against this particular defense. When you took the opening drive, you walked down the field, you chewed up over eight minutes. As a matter of fact, your first two scoring drives chewed up almost 17 minutes of the clock. And all of a sudden, you can't do anything beyond that. It's point-counterpoint from offensive coordinators to defensive coordinators. And the Eagles, once again, got out outfoxed by Pete Carroll and his staff in this particular game.
3: D, I don't think that I don't think that they necessarily got out Fox. I just think that the Eagles have a real tough time, you know, of going back and running plays that they've had success with or flipping the formation and running the same play to the other side. You know, I've said it for yeah. all season long. You know, offensive play calling is about how you coordinate formationally, how you coordinate your plays, okay? Right. So if I have a run play that has success – then I need to have a pass play off of that same look off a play action pass, okay? But they just seem to me like they just randomly call plays. And listen, I see the frustration on Devontae Smith's face, on um, A.J. Brown's face. They are frustrated with this offense because this offense does not give them the, the opportunity to be successful. You know, they're running routes to the two deep. I don't see any crossing routes where you get a guy that starts on one yeah. side and goes all the way across and you hit him on the other side because he's running away from yeah. the defender. I don't see – they started off dumping the ball off in zone early in the game, completely disappeared. And you know the Seattle's run the same damn zone that they run all the time. That's They are 80, yeah. 83% of the time they play zone. So what happened right. to those plays that you had success with in the first half when you went down the field – 15 plays 75 yards and scored on your first offensive possession what happened to those plays okay just because you had success with them you know doesn't mean that now you got to move off of those plays and go to something else different make them prove that they can stop what you what stop you me. were doing yeah. and then where's the counters off of those you know I don't see I don't see the innovation in this offense at all and I think that Jalen is is frustrated because he doesn't see it they put a lot of pressure on him to make all the plays, and I get it. He's making $50 million on average a year. He's got to right. carry the load, okay? But at the same time, you know, there's other quarterbacks out there. I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. He ain't running all over the place having to do it all. He's They're, they're crafting an offense around him that allows him to throw the ball down the field in certain situations, and he's reading it and having success. You're going to tell me that Jalen Hurts was a much better passer last year than Lamar Jackson, and all of a sudden we run into this year, and Lamar Jackson is that much better than him? Come on, man. Come on. A lot of it goes on the players because the players have to execute. But as I look at this offense and I look at this defense, these are flaws. These are coaching flaws, man. These are coaching flaws. It's not even flawed from a schematic standpoint, but it's a flaw from how they've coached these players You know, to actually play. They're fundamentally and technically flawed. I don't put that on the players because the players don't know, especially the young ones. I put that on the coaches because if you can't teach them that, you have no business being an NFL coach, in my opinion.
10: I agree with you in this regard, Seth. When you look at the most successful offenses in the National Football League, San Francisco, Kansas City, Baltimore, they do run an abundance of crossing routes. How many times, though, have we watched games and all of a sudden the announcer goes to a replay after an incomplete pass this guy was running wide open on crossing route. Jalen's missing them. That's not coaching. That's not, go, that's not, that's not going through your progressions. That's honing in on one target and, and the defense identifying that and letting guys run free because they've seen it enough to know he's not going to go to the underneath route. We've seen this time and time again from Jalen this season with him missing the underneath routes. Could Eagles run more crossing routes with the personnel they have? Absolutely. For whatever reason, they don't. But the times that these guys are wide open, just like Mike was talking about the one play in the second half, Devontae Smith is wide open. Jalen goes down the field. It's an incomplete pass. If he hits Devontae Smith, he still might be running now, all the way back to Philadelphia. He missed him. So some of it is coaching, but some of it is identifying what you've been taught up to this point. Why is it that Jalen did it well last year and has been so inconsistent in doing it this year? That's a question Jalen needs to answer Probably will never answer. Nick Sirianni needs to answer. Probably will never
3: answer. Deep, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this though, okay. If he's struggling to, if he's struggling to get through his progression, going from left to right or right to left, that play that you're talking about, you had AJ running, you know, a deep out, and then you had Devontae coming across. I remember it was on third down because if he dumps it off to him, he's right in your sight line, okay? Yes, So now you tell me, you tell me, is it that Jalen is not understanding the offense because as a a quarterback, as a quarterback on every single passing play, as a quarterback, you ought to be able to close your eyes and identify where everybody's supposed to be on time. Okay, here's my check down. Here's my, my deep route. Here's my shallow route, okay? So it's the quarterback's job to know where every player on the field is in the route, okay? Right. right. So you mean to tell me if he's looking and it's taking too much time for A.J. Brown to get to where he's getting to, you don't know that Devontae Smith is coming underneath? You know, and listen, some of that, I, I, I put some of that on Jalen, 100%. But right. I'm also going to put it on the coaches because these are the things, these are the finer points of being a good quarterback that you should be teaching a quarterback who's now in his fourth year in the, in the National Football League. And if he can't understand that, then they're going to have problems.
10: I can't can't disagree with you, your analysis, but I can't agree with 100% because we don't know what's being talked about behind closed doors uh, every day in practice. When when it happens enough, Seth, when it happens enough, I'm going to give Nick Sirianni the benefit of the doubt that he studies the film, he sees the film, and those things are going over, have been gone over with Jalen. Look at this route. Look at where this guy is. Look where you went with the ball. That's a bad decision. Look where this guy was, because we've seen it enough week in and week out in game fields. Guys running wide open. Basically, there were flags telling, "Hey, man, you got her. AJ, even Devontae? it's happened too many times. Is it Jalen locking in on certain people and doing what he wants to do, or is it the coaching? I've got to say it's a combination of the two, but I can't say that has been totally neglected by Sirianni week in and week out in practices.
2: D-Gunn, thanks for uh, hanging out with us uh, and staying up late. I don't know where this season goes, but we'll be back uh, certainly with you uh, next week. Uh, thanks, thanks D-Gunn, and I hope everything is, uh, is well at home. Well, Thank we you miss you. you. Thank you, guys. You guys have a good All night, right. man. That's All Derek right. Gunn uh, joining us, and of course he was brought to us by First Trust Bank, the official bank. Of the Philadelphia Eagles. So Kayla Santiago will join us for Kayla's Diamond Debate. John McMullen for his analysis a little later in this game. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say, man. Hey, Mike. 20- let me the
3: 17 they lose? Let, let me <laughs> throw you a question. If a team keeps making the same mistakes over and over again, whose fault is it? Coach.
2: Yeah, it, I, I, I'm laying this at the feet of the head coach right now. Okay. All right. Uh, and we'll talk more about it. Kayla Santiago joins us next on the Pondley Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino back after this. Welcome to Pondley Hockey,
8: the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
10: Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
7: So Good Now helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When
10: you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now.
7: Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to ocean.
10: E-A-G-L-E-S.
2: Eagles. You know, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm drunk right now. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this feeling that, that I'm having. I'm like... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exasperated by this this whole development tonight. Uh, but in any event, it is the Philadelphia Hockey Eagles postgame show, uh, and it is time for Kayla's Diamond Debate, uh, brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Uh, Kayla, the, of course, the holidays coming up. I think it's not too late to get to Mark's, I guess, right?
12: Yeah, and if the Eagles ruined your holidays, like I think right now they are ruining ours. Mark's Jewelers will absolutely not. They have some fantastic stuff. And it is not too late. You can still get out there and get something for that special someone. They have fantastic rings, earrings, the pearl necklaces, everything that you need for a holiday gift. So make sure that you do not miss out and go to Mark Stuller's today. That brings us to our diamond debate. You can go vote on our Twitter poll right now. It is still open. A whole lot went wrong, and I kind of wanted to turn away from the TV, especially at the end there. And I put something out saying, no way Drew Locke can go up the field and score, right, as a joke. (laughs) And it actually did happen. So... Let's start with the Diamond Debate, though. Once again, that's on Twitter. Right now, this offensive roster has a lot of talent, and it's not being shown. Do you think it's an offensive scheme thing? Do you think it's on the turnovers? Is it all the above? Mike, I'm going to start with you. There's a lot of question marks. Is there anything you can narrow it down I, on? I don't
2: understand, and I haven't understood it all year, Kayla, on why they get away from things. And, and like, you know, they, they show the initiative. Like, tonight was the perfect night to get the running game going again because the other team doesn't stop the run. I'm going, they finally followed instructions and then they just get discombobulated instead of sticking with something. And and that's panic in play calling. And, and I, you know, I, so Brian Johnson's got to take some heat. I think it's panic and play calling, but Sirianni's supposed to be the overseer of everything. And like, instead of him saying to Brian Johnson, let's get back to the run now, uh, nothing happens. And, and the game plan just kind of dissolves. So I, I, it's, it's a coaching problem right now. And it's a, the quarterback that can't overcome the coaching problems, the scheme problems, the play calling. The, 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 the quarterback is not able to make the plays he used to make. That's what it is for me.
12: And Hurts trying to play hero ball at the end there. But we saw kind of on a graphic all over social media that Kenny Gainwell was wide open at the end of the game. Plus, on top of that, by the way, you only had to get 15 yards for Jake Elliott to have a chance. Mark, I mean, at the end of the game there, what type of play call is that? Is it Jalen Hurts just trying to play hero ball? We go back to the same question back and forth, but something's got to give at this point because yeah. the coaching can't be changed. The offensive coordinators are not going to change, but maybe Jalen Hurts needs to step up and say, listen, we've got to win some games now.
4: If I learned anything from the Carson Wentz era, it's mm-hmm. that as a quarterback, you can't be a part of the problem. You have to be only part of the solution. Now, you could call that unfair, but once you're a franchise quarterback that's the deal that's why you sign that contract for that amount of money and Jalen Hurts today without question was a part of the problem I know people go back to the tush pushes and the touchdowns and the scrambles and that's all great but you can't miss Kenny Gainwell that wide open in the flat trying to throw the football 50 yards downfield when just 15 yards will do when you're going to be throwing into double coverage in that type of situation you can't be airing the ball out on a first and 10 when you're already up 17 to 13 eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and try to get that nail in the coffin touchdown to a guy you could barely trust for his entire career in Quez Watkins. That's not a coaching decision at that point. That is a read and a poor attempted execution by Jalen Hurts. And look, the coaching staff is not at all pushed aside when it comes to the blame game here. But I watched the quarterback tonight have an awful regression, a continued awful regression in Jalen Hurts. I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan. Mm -hmm. I, I know there are better days ahead for him. But tonight and the previous two games, a far cry from that.
12: And Seth, I feel like the conversation is consistently blaming the coaches, blaming the scheme. But at one point, is this on Jalen Hurts that he's going to step up and be that guy? I know you've been sticking up for him all year. But at this point, do you put the blame more on him?
3: You know, people always say, you know, that it always starts at the top. So I'm going to start at the top. I'm not going to just say it's Jalen, and I'm not just going to say it's Nick Sirianni. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, this is an organizational thing. Because the more and more I look at this, the more and more this begins to look like 2018 all over again. You know, when Doug yep. Peterson was the head coach, you know, and Frank Wright was here, and so on and so forth. It looks eerily similar. You know, these moves that you make, um, these moves that you make coaching-wise and player moves and things of that nature, you know, these just don't seem like moves to me that you would make from a coach's standpoint. The coach knows that, you know what, this is my defensive coordinator. He might be struggling, but this is my guy, okay? So we're going to transition to another guy who is an advisor, you know, to our defense, and what can he do at this point in time that makes a difference? Doesn't it doesn't seem right to me? It doesn't smell right to me. It feels like, you know, somebody from upstairs made this decision, and now you will, you know, Nick Sirianni out here to look like the guy who made the decision. They did the same exact thing to Doug. They with did Mike, this,
2: with Mike Gro.
3: They did the mm-hmm. same yes. exact thing. To Doug, and it's starting to look like the same scenario all over again. You know, who's actually really making the decisions on what the game plan looks like and how much you should run and how much you shouldn't run? You know, I mean, these are legitimate questions. They're legitimate questions. You know, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, I'm I'm digging and I'm getting some answers, and it seems more like to me that what we're seeing is there are too many cooks in the kitchen, and there's too many voices, you know, football coaches are football coaches. You know, GMs and personnel people are GM and personnel people. The analytics people provide numbers for you to make good decisions and for you as players to look at the numbers and say, hey, you know what? These, this is a tendency. They, when they get in this situation, this, the, this is what they like to do. Th- th- these are what these prospective departments do. You know, but when they step outside of, you know, the department that they live in and they're making decisions and doing things that don't really pertain to them, like if I'm a, if I'm a football coach, then let me coach my players. Let me say who plays and who doesn't. Let me say who's active and who's not. Let me say who's on the roster and who's not, because if I'm coaching and, and you've hired me to be the coach and I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about, aren't I supposed to know those things? Okay, but there are so many things over the years. You know, you're gonna say how he controls the roster. He controls. How do you do that? How do you do that and be a head coach? And then you see all these contingency plans. You can go all the way back to, you know, we talked about in the pregame the contingency plan. Doug Peterson is hired. Okay, you hire you hire Jim Schwartz before you hire Doug Peterson. If I'm the head coach, shouldn't I have a say who's my defensive coordinator? Okay, Jim Schwartz, oh, I think he's the contingency plan because if Doug Peterson, who's never been a head coach before, falls on his face, okay, we can just move Jim Schwartz in and all of a sudden we got the perfect case scenario where we don't have to blow the whole thing up. All we got to do is bring in another offensive guy. You, you-, you hire Sean Decide, Mike, and, and I'm going to give it to you in a minute. You, you, you hire Sean Decide, but you bring in Matt Patricia, you know, to look over his shoulder. Why? Because you're not sure whether he's the guy or not. And you gotta have a contingency plan, you know, and, and an insurance policy on the backside. And sure enough, because you got an insurance policy, you gotta, you gotta call it. And then you call it and it upsets the the whole game plan and the whole environment around it. And people can talk about it and that not necessarily being the case, but you know what? There are some people wow. in that locker room that don't like. You know Matt Patricia. There are some people in that locker room who don't know Matt Patricia. And there are some people, so now you've divided your locker room defensively and you got some guys that like him, some guys that don't. You got some players that played tonight that hadn't been playing. Oh, they love Matt Patricia. But you got some guys that didn't get time to play tonight that, or, or minimize playing time tonight that's like, what the hell's going on?
2: Uh, are we ta- Let's cut to the chase. Are we talking about wrongful uh, ownership meddling here?
3: Hey, listen. Call it what you will. Okay, the proof is out there, and we've seen this picture before. It's not like this is something I'm conjuring up. You know, um, this is not something that I don't have some legitimate answers to, and I'm digging even more. You know, I would never throw people under the bus, but the legitimate people that I'm getting the answers from, it's it's legitimate. Okay, if we're you're talk- going to hire, talking-
2: we're talking Jerry Jones behind the green door <laughs> is that what we're talking about.
3: Potentially worse potentially worse because you want to know something listen and and this is nothing against doug peterson love him nothing against nick seriani don't know him enough to not like him okay but who was doug peterson that you would go hire him as your head coach come on now with all the valid guys that were out there at that time and then you you bring in the insurance policy Lo and behold, they had no idea whatsoever that Doug Peterson was going to win a Super Bowl in his second or his third year. That shocked the hell out of him. Uh-huh. Okay. Back up QB. So then when Doug Peterson got to a place that he had enough of, of the meddling, you know, I've said it before. I don't know it to be 100% true, but it's what I believe, you know. Doug Peterson wasn't fired. Doug Peterson told him to go kick rocks. I'm out. I got a Super Bowl on my resume, and you owe me two more years of salary. Peace. <laughs> I can get another job, okay? So then, in comes Nick Sirianni. He could be a great head coach. I don't know. His record indicates that he clearly is, okay? But who the, who, who the heck was Nick Sirianni? Well, the theme there
4: is that though both those coaches, Doug Peterson and Nick Sirianni, new coaches, that Jeffrey Lurie respected in Frank Reich and obviously Andy Reid.
3: They were also controllable. Mm
4: -hmm. Very true. They didn't have the previous experience or the resume to combat anything. And to your point, Seth, this goes back to the days of Doug Peterson and specifically their win in Green Bay against the Packers when in that game they ran the ball more than they threw the ball. And after that game, this was put out in The Athletic. I think the Inquirer also wrote a story on this and ESPN the where they detailed this meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and his analytical department where they simply, st- they simply talked about, oh, you won that game, but you, you ran the ball a lot. Why? And Doug said, well, that's how you won the game. Hmm. Hmm. We didn't like how you won it, basically, is the way it was pre-
3: perceived. See, now that's the problem that I have with analytics. A thousand percent. It's not that analytics doesn't serve a purpose in the game. But when the analytics department becomes so powerful, you know, that they begin to supersede the coaches who are supposed to know football like they know football, you you understand what I'm saying? Like the analytics people really know football? You know, analytics are probabilities. They're numbers. It's a possibility that it could work out like this. But a football coach, they got their hands in the dirt. They're out there with the players every single day, you know they're the ones that stand on the sideline with a gut feeling about what we should do or what we shouldn't do, okay? So there's no accountability when it comes to the numbers because when it doesn't work out, no coach who is driven strictly by the analytics and doing what the analytics is telling him to do, that coach doesn't deserve to be fired. He doesn't because you're telling him, your analytics department is telling him, this is what you should do. And if you don't do it, you have to answer for it, you know? So you do it, and then you're the scapegoat when it doesn't work out?
12: Right. I think right now, too, to look at just back a few years, they haven't lost three games in a row since 2021. And Nick Sirianni, after the game, he also said that we just have to get through the storm. That brings me back to the point that Degon said a little bit earlier on. There's been teams in slumps this year. The 49ers were in one, were able to get out of it is this Eagles team in a slump whatsoever or did they just get lucky earlier in the year and were able to pull out big wins because we talked about it week after week. Yeah, they're 10 and one cool. There's still a lot to work on and they've just gotten worse since earlier on this season. Are they in a slump right now? Can they win out or is the NFC East up for grabs at this point? Because I know Dallas has a tougher schedule mark but right now the Eagles look like they could lose against anybody. Yeah,
4: I mean they got the, the Giants again twice but mm-hmm. as I said in the pregame show this is, if you're going to be predictable as an offense, this is the worst possible time to be predictable. When you're facing a team that you faced three times last year, and then you're facing your former defensive coordinator in Jonathan Gannon. So, although I don't think the Eagles are going to lose out, I do believe that without question, the NFC East is up for grabs. With of course the Miami Dolphins still being on the schedule for the uh, for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. But in terms of turning things around right now for the Eagles and having a chance to win it, this isn't anything new that we have watched all season long. And to Bill's point earlier. The Eagles have tried to show us, again, that this has been the team they are. They have had the good bounces. They have had the good fortune. Yes, they had made plays when they needed to make plays to win football games. But you can't live like that to a 10-1 record. And as great as a 10-1 record is, I never looked at them, watching them throughout the entire season, every single snap the way we do, and went, this team right here. This is a team <laughs> that's going to compete for a Super Bowl. No, they had to prove it against the, the true upper echelon team like the uh, San Francisco 49ers epically failed that test and then they went into Dallas and they wet the bed in Dallas. Then they went up and faced a team that is just always struggling to be around 500 in Seattle with a backup quarterback against a terrible defense terrible defense and with their MVP caliber quarterback could have put them up more than 17 points. This is who they are. Yes it is. Uh, Alright.
2: So you know, here, here, Here's the thing. Until tonight I never thought it was possible for the Eagles to lose one of these games for the rest of the year, but also, more importantly, lose to what we thought would be an inferior team in the playoffs. And even if they, they wind up going to Tampa Bay as the fifth seed, I now believe they could possibly lose that game. Right, let's take a break. On the other side, John McMullen will join us with his analysis right here on the Pondla Hockey Eagle Postgame Show live promotion casino 2017 they lose to the seahawks i still can't believe it we're back after this
0: Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbrunner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
6: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, President of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
10: E A G L E S, Eagle.
2: upon the Pondla hockey eagles postgame show with the gang right here at ocean casino let's bring in the man who covers the eagles for jacob media and uh i just read a a, a quote from jalen Hurts, john McMullen, it says that um the, the eagles are not committed enough right now And a cynic would say that maybe the quarterback wasn't that committed either tonight but what is your reaction to losing this game and where they are right now sir
11: a uh, tough loss, obviously. You don't want to uh, go into that situation. You know, Seattle's a difficult place to play, but you're talking about a backup quarterback. You, you had the good first quarter. It felt a little bit empty after you only had the 10 nothing lead after you didn't push in the second uh, good drive. And then you're up late in the game, and you give up uh, a, a drive to Drew Locke with uh, – You know, a 92-yard drive um, with less than two minutes on the clock. It's just not acceptable. So, you know, numbers-wise, you talk about the the change defensive play calling. They look okay, 297 total yards. They were better in third downs, although the game winner was third and 10. Uh, They didn't give up any red zone touchdowns. Um, so that part was better. But you're playing a a, a a a poorer offense. So that was the whole point. Like, it was kind of baked in, and that's why I didn't like this change away from Sean to sign week 15. Well, for a couple reasons. Baked in, you were going to get better statistically because you're playing poor teams. It's probably going to get better with the New York Giants coming in on Christmas. And then you open up the door to every single – yahoo on the planet to start asking you questions about brian johnson because you're struggling um offensively and 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 the eagles kind of scoff at that why why would you scoff at it you're the ones who changed the defensive play caller, so you opened the door to everything at this point struck me as a panicky move and hey they couldn't stop the bleeding and now we're sitting here with three consecutive losses um second time in nick seriani's coaching career so it's not good let's put it that way
4: john how do they uh, empty the bench defensively and you have guys like keely ringo who makes his first start nolan smith seems like he was out there before the injury more than we had ever seen him play at uh and you see guys uh, josh Job get out there a lot more than we have seen him as well how do you have guys like that play as much as they did in this game you only allow 20 points in total and you lose this football game how does that happen
11: well, you hope the quarterback was truly, you know, affected by the illness because Jalen Hurts was not good. I should say, you know, he was good running the football. He's probably better running the football than he has been all season. Uh, tied Cam Newton's uh, single season record for rushing touchdowns. That's a, uh, a silver lining to the statistical people, I guess. But, you know, his passer rating was 40.1. You look at the second interception, to Julian Love, you 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 wonder about the decision making. Look, you're trying to get into field goal range for for Jake Elliott and you're taking a shot down the field. Didn't understand that because it didn't look like a good shot. It's never a good shot to Quez Watkins down the field. That's a shout out to my partner Jody McDonald who can't stand Quez, but <laughs> um you know he 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 keeps taking these deep shots and not taking the easy layup throws, and you never want to see a quarterback uh, who had the season Jalen Hurts had last year regress a little bit, and I think we're seeing that. We certainly, Hopefully, today he was outplayed by Drew Locke. Hopefully, that had to do with the illness, um, and I don't expect him to play that poorly moving forward, but he wasn't good today in the passing game.
12: Nick Sirianni said that they just need to weather the storm at this point in the season is these three losses just the slump the Eagles are in right now do you feel like they can bounce back now they don't really have a super tough schedule but do you think they're underlooking teams at this point and do you think they'll kind of shape up against the Giants
11: well I think they'll shape up against the Giants I mean it's it's Tommy DeVito. It's Tommy Cutlets. I mean, if they don't show up, shape up against the Giants, it's time to pack it in. Um, they're going to be in deep, deep trouble if they can't beat that team. And so, yeah, I, I think short term they're going to they're going to write the ship on Christmas, but that's not the issue. Can they play with the San Francisco 49ers you know, this team is Super Bowl or bust. That's why they're doing all this. this that's why they're they're bringing Matt Patricia in as the defensive play caller, uh, promoting him. That's why they're demoting Sean Desai because they, they think the championship window is open. Do you guys think the championship window is open? Because <laughs> a lot of things would have to go wrong for the San Francisco 49ers to lose to this team right now as long as San Francisco stays healthy. They're just
2: better. Hey, Did you John, just ask right us a, uh, that question? Hey, John. <laughs> no. I'll, <answer. laughs> yeah, I'll, no. Say, I'll say no also to that. <laughs> John, you, you, better,
3: you, you better get your fingers out that window pane if you think that their, that their Super Bowl window still open or you're about to lose some of them. I um, said they think that. I, I even, said they think. Even them, they better get their hands out of the window <laughs> too because if that's what they believe, you know, they're 100% mistaken. Um, it's not – outside the possibility that they may lose one of these three games that's left you know the way this football team is playing you know there is no recourse at this point in time for them to get better you're not going to get better over the last you know three weeks of the season the time to do that is in the off season the preseason and as you go through you know the, the beginning half of the year at this point in time if you're not peaking you know you either plateauing or you going down the other side of the mountain. And this is where I see this football team right now. All these moves that they're making, they're making out of desperation. And the desperation is showing to the players how desperate they are, not only as an organization from the top down, but also as a coaching staff to make these moves and to kind of upset the apple cart and create this environment of where they are. The offense looks yeah. anemic. It looks like they don't know what they want to do whatsoever. And defensively, you know, they're completely lost at this point in time.
11: Yeah, and you, you look at some of the defensive changes, Mark kind of mentioned, you know, you see, obviously, Ringo is is in his first NFL start. I like that athleticism on the field. Should have done it a little bit earlier, but, you know, um, and Eli Ricks is closing the game. Why? Even the decisions they make. Josh Joe getting in and, and Nolan Smith, Patrick Johnson, we saw for the first time. Um, Sidney Brown, uh, I saw a lot of fans complaining about the missed tackles. Yeah, all right, he, he missed some significant tackles, but you can see the athleticism. Where would he be in week 15 if you if you kickstarted him earlier? We'll never know. Um, and now you're seeing the growing pains live and in living color. I don't know how much you can do defensively. In a lot of ways, offensively is is probably worse because you have talent on the offensive side and they can't get things going. And again, I'm going to give Jalen a pass because of the illness, but today was Jalen. Let's be honest. The running game was solid. Uh, It wasn't great, but it was solid. DeAndre Swift, 18 for 74. Um, No explosive runs, but it was effective. That's the word I always use. It was effective. Um, Devontae Smith was getting open. A.J. Brown was getting open. There was separation. Um, Dallas got her early in the game. Um, And he's not taking, as I said, he's not taking the layups. For some reason, he keeps trying to push the football down the field a little bit too much. That's great when it works. When it doesn't work and you see first downs underneath and you're not taking that, you know, what the heck is going on with this decision-making? Why is it regressing to this point? Now, today it was, uh, as I said, a 40 passer rating. That's not going to be typical, but this is this has been a, a, a pretty serious regression from the quarterback over this three-game losing streak, and I think – Everybody wants to point out obvious issues, and they want to protect the quarterback, and that's how fans are. But it's time to start talking about the quarterback.
3: No, and listen, there's there's no doubt about it, John, because you know when you run the ball as effectively as they ran it tonight, that's your opportunity to build your offense off of that run game. Um, you know, and, and I just don't see it. I talked about it in the pregame. Take what the defense is giving you, move the chains. They did it in the first drive, and they did it in the third, third drive. 15 plays, touchdown. 16 yeah. plays, a penalty prevents that from being a touchdown. You kick a field goal, you're up 10 to nothing. And then to the jump over on the defensive side of the ball, you know, before I pass it back to Mike, it seemed like to me, I'm watching the personnel that's on the field. This team looked like a team tonight that was trying to find out things about a bunch of young players. It didn't look like to me that they looked at this game from the lens of we got to win this game because Dallas lost yesterday and we got to do what's necessary to maintain the spot that we're in to give us a leg up in order to win the division and hopefully hope that San Francisco lose one. I mean, Patrick Johnson hadn't played all, all year. And then you got, yeah. him, you got him and Nolan Smith in the game. You had Eli Ricks yeah. playing. Josh Joe plan. This looked like a team on defense to me. It looked like a team, John, that was out of the playoff picture and we're evaluating some young players to see what we're going to do with them next year. And that's what it looked like to me.
11: Yeah, I, you know, I'm a little bit torn on what they were doing from a personnel standpoint. I hope one day to get to talk to Matt Patricia. I don't know if that's ever coming, but um, – it, it, he ain't going to tell you that, John. It, well, just from the, that was a, sort of an inside baseball joke because he doesn't have to talk to us because he's technically not the defensive coordinator.
3: Wow. So
11: <laughs> this goopy situation that the Eagles have set up. But with, with, with Patrick Johnson, Nolan, by the way, I'm, I'm concerned about Nolan Smith's shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's always got an issue. If you guys remember way back, he said, it's, it's my baby. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I said, well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> He's always got a chronic, chronic shoulder injury. So I'm concerned about that, number one. They're trying to take snaps off obviously Josh went and Hassan Reddick. They probably got to it too late. Again, week 15, Why? why is this starting now? The corners bother me only because, and I got to rewatch the game, obviously, but I didn't notice anything glaringly bad um, from Ringo. I, in fact, I thought he was holding up pretty well. Um, Metcalf, I think, only had one catch in the in the first half. Um, and they're, you know... They're going Mark Iveroni, Bobby Jones, maybe Michael get that reference. You know why is Ringo starting and 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 Rick finishing if Ringo's not playing for him? Like what is that? I, I I don't understand. They they went to the three safety look a bunch. That's fine because they don't have any linebackers. So they're trying to piecemeal it together. But the the Ringo stuff bothers me because you know if you're giving them a chance give them a chance we've seen a lot of V-Lock Riggs.
2: yeah john i get that reference that it was 1983 sixers they started mark arveroni they finished with bobby jones <laughs> all right so i got to, <laughs> i got where you're going with that uh, but, but I, I this team is not being coached well enough right now and like we always look at the head coach who's who's got the the cards and, and he he wants to, to oversee the whole thing. Where does Nick Sirianni fall in line here with blame?
11: Oh, a ton of blame. I mean, how he handled this week was just absurd. And his uh, obsessive uh, just nonsense with competitive advantage, and he brought it up after the game. That was my take because, look, you open up these questions again with the offensive play caller like he gets he gets pissed when people ask him about the plot he he loves brian johnson he doesn't even think it's a question to think about replacing brian johnson but then to replace sean desai and give that nonsensical he's my guy basically on tuesday and then you're turning around um two days later and you're making a change that opens up the floodgates that he doesn't understand. He creates these own issues is a problem. And then if you think about this team's history and it's a recent history with Doug Peterson, so immediately, and you can't blame people for saying it's just Jeff, Jeffrey Lurie stepping in, is this Howie Roseman stepping in, they've done it in the past. But no, Nick just wants competitive advantage. Like Pete Carroll gives up flying you-know-what about you know what they're doing on the defensive side of the football. Um, it, it, it could be as simple as you know the injury. Go back to Dallas Goddard. Um, when Dallas told me flat out, the medical team said four weeks, four weeks, four weeks. Just the bone needed... Um, a specific time to heal and he was playing the games with San Francisco like this is nonsense Um, and he opens up the door to, to not only questions but also the panic part of it they come across as a team in disarray because of the way the head coach handled last week
3: John John Can I go so far as to say that this scenario looks eerily similar to how 2018 and 19 began to unravel? And I would like to go so far as to say that what you witnessed this week, you know, with Nick Sirianni saying on Tuesday, I believe it was, when asked whether there was going to be any kind of change, Emphatically, no, I like the people that are in the house, okay? I know you recall at one point, you know, the Eagles made a move under Doug Peterson, and then they rolled him out in front of the whole world, you know, to take the fall. This looks and feels like a similar situation. You know, the disarray comes because, you know, we believe that Nick Sirianni has some type of control in the building when in actuality he really doesn't. That the puppet master – and the guy behind the the, the 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 curtain that's pulling all the levers and throwing all the switches—the great and wonderful Oz—is the one that's really doing it all.
11: See, I I get why you say that, Seth, and that's why I was bringing that up because you're right. Doug Peterson came up and wanted Mike Rowe back, and said he would be back, and then Jeffrey Lurie told him no mike rice not going to be back and then doug had to come back tail between his legs fire mike rowe and say um and 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 do all that and then if you fast forward same thing happened with press taylor uh matt burke when he wanted to change the coaching staff he wasn't allowed to change the coaching staff this was nick's decision it was not jeffrey telling him to change it this was nick's decision. And How do we know that, he, John? He, he did it for competitive advantage. How do we know that? Well, I can't give you my sources, but I know it, and he's a goofball with competitive advantage. And we've had this discussion uh, behind the scenes. He believes other coaches don't take it seriously enough, and he's trying to always gain, even if it's a, an inch, here or there. And obviously, Pete Carroll knows Sean DeSai well. But guess what, it's going to get out. They did a good job keeping it under wraps for a couple days, but it got out. It doesn't matter. And you create this environments where everybody is then they ask the logical question. Instead, that's a logical question. Jeffrey did it in the past. Why wouldn't he do it now? You open up the doors to these kinds of of controversies that don't need to be opened up. Now, if you firmly believe Sean Desai is so bad at his job, why is he still in the building? Why is he still in the building? So all of this comes back to Nick Sirianni because he hired him in the first place because all the players wanted Denard Wilson, we'll um, but he didn't want Denard because Denard wanted to, to shift a little bit further away. I won't even say shift. He wanted to evolve from the banjo, the strict banjo scheme. Still going to use it, but he wanted to do some different things. And Nick wanted to stay the course and and get a banjo guy.
3: How's that so working out So already for him? he made
11: the wrong decision. Right. Uh, Yeah, this is all, Nick Sirianni's fingerprints are all all over this.
4: Okay, let me me just, so the Eagles are actually, after neutering Sean Desai, going to continue to trot him out in front of the media to answer questions because he's still technically the defensive coordinator, but no longer the play caller.
11: Well, it remains to be seen because we don't know what's going to happen this week, but they can do that, (laughs) you know. Um, uh, uh, the, the they only really, they of really want him to. They awesome. really want
4: him to quit. They, they really want him to quit.
3: He doesn't have to quit. He's under a guaranteed contract. I wouldn't. If you put, if you put me in a wheelchair and tried to roll me out there, I wouldn't go <laughs> they out. They
11: still there. have to pay him if he quits. Uh, no, if he quits, yeah, don't I don't him. think so. No, if he quits, they don't have to pay him. But here's yeah. the thing, Jeffrey Lurie doesn't care. Jeffrey Lurie wrote a check to Carson Wentz. You think you really think he's not willing? To, to bite the bullet on two years of Sean DeSai's contract, if if that's the right thing to do for this organization. No, He'll but I think I think a, he a, would a try.
2: Second. I think he would try to milk it where he doesn't have to pay him, and he takes that option first. But but by saying okay, we we've just neutered you. Well, so rich you people no
11: choice never want to quit write checks,
8: but
2: yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's really, it's, it. it's it's better not to pay a couple million dollars than to pay a couple million dollars, right?
11: Yeah, he's willing. He's willing to do it, though. I, I mean, I, I never doubt that Jeffrey's willing uh, to to spend money to win. But, um, yeah. As far as Sean decides again, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do, but they can by the letter of the NFL's law, because technically Sean decides the defensive coordinator. He can be uh, what I called uh, uh, Matt Patricia's press secretary because technically Matt Patricia doesn't have to talk to us.
12: <laughs> I
11: want to
3: this, this yeah. is down
12: right. go to the offensive of side of the ball real quick. Back in 2017, Carson Wentz gets injured, but he's an MVP caliber player. Last year, Jalen Hurts takes this team to the Super Bowl MVP caliber player. The following year, Jalen Hurts is not playing the same way. Do you see a path of similarity there? Are you worried that Hurts just maybe doesn't have it and it was a one and done year for him? Or do you think there's more talent there and it's just the higher ups that's not working out for Jalen Hurts in the offensive scheme?
11: No, I'm not concerned because he's played very well at times this year. He's had stretches where he's played even better, especially as a passer. than he, than he did last season. But the consistency hasn't been there from game to game like it was last year. Obviously, the turnovers are up. Uh, he keeps pushing the football, as I mentioned, down the field. Uh, maybe maybe because of the offensive struggles, they're at three consecutive losses, three consecutive games they haven't scored 20 points. Maybe he's pressing a little bit. Um, I thought he looked great in the in the early moments of this game i mean that that first drive was tremendous um and even the the third drive uh that ended with the jake elliott field goal that probably would have been a touchdown if kelsey didn't try to steal a yard um i you know they look good and then all of a sudden nothing and really nick was talking about the the two-minute at, at the end of the first half, that was awful. I mean, from both teams, that was as bad a two-minute sequence as you'll see. Um, they went 19 seconds, and they, had, they somehow had a com- completed pass to Devontae Smith for 15 yards and still only took 19 seconds off the clock. I don't even know how you do that. I'm still amazed.
3: Hey, John, do you think it's a philosophical thing, this thing that um, Jalen Hurts is trying to push the ball down the field? Because I've been talking about this all year. The Eagles are not a football team, it seems to me, you know, that, that's willing to take what the defense is given them. They are a team that really wants to stretch the field. Nick believes in explosive plays. you know. So you see Jalen, and, and I was talking to somebody on Twitter just the other day about this same exact thing, you know, When your philosophy is to stretch the field and push the ball down the field, the layups and the easy throws seem to become, you know, a secondary thought. And sometimes you get yourself in a situation where you don't even get the chance to come back to those plays or or those opportunities because you're looking down the field so much and you're waiting for the the play down the field to open up so much, okay? Now – this team has seen that it hasn't worked. Even their explosive players are down from where they were last year. I can understand why they would feel like, "Oh, this is our offensive philosophy because our offense was so explosive last way, last year." But this not being the case in the scenario with this team this year, why do you keep trying to force a round peg into a square hole? Why don't they just why don't they adjust that? And 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 my real my real question is is that truly their philosophy? Do they really believe that that's the way you're going to win when it's not working? Are they willing really, still really willing to do it that way? Because they came out in that first drive that you're talking about, John. They ran the ball ten times. They threw it five times. Those five passes that he threw was a pass to Dallas Got it to convert a third down. A pass to AJ Brown in the gap in the zone to convert. You know, and, and get another another third down situation. Why are they so adverse? To just taking what the defense is giving them you move down the field 75 yards are you kidding me why wouldn't you stay with that game plan why do you have to get so impatient to try to be greedy and take what's not just naturally there for you to have
11: well i think part of it is the prior success as you mentioned you can look at kansas city i mean kansas city um when they lost tyree kill there was like a six, seven game span where they were struggling. Um, You know, everybody and actually when Tyreek was still there and everybody said, you know what, we're not going to let them. um, We're not going to let them beat us with big plays. And they were playing the safeties in the parking lots and and Patrick Mahomes got frustrated and was pushing the football down the field because he was used to big plays. Um, and it took them a while to adjust to what was being done to them. I get that same kind of feeling with the Eagles right now, but they gotta they gotta be quicker to make the adjustment. Um, and it's tough. I you know I remember the Colts Bears Super Bowl. I'll I'll never forget. The Bears jumped out to an early lead, and the Bears were a big cover two team at the time with Brian Urlacher, and Peyton Manning. Uh, tried to push the football down the field and he got intercepted and and the bears were up early but you could see on his face he was literally saying i got it i got it i know what i did wrong and you know peyton was such a cerebral player he just picked him apart for the rest of the game and they won easily i don't see the eagles being able to 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 pivot like that that quickly, but they they need to pivot. They need to understand defenses have evolved, they're playing them differently, and you can't use what you're using last year exclusively. And they do seem right now to be too hyper-focused on the big play down the field. Perfect example was the end of the game there. You need basically 15 yards to give Jake Elliott a shot, and you're taking a deep shot to A.J. Brown in, in, in double coverage. I, I, why?
2: Yeah. And they had sense. two
11: timeouts, I believe. Left.
2: Yep. John, thanks for hanging out with us late. Uh, I don't know where this season is going. It looks to me like it's going into the great abyss. But uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for. Uh, uh, Tommy
11: Cutlitz here to save it. Yeah. Don't worry about uh, it.
2: John McMullen. Brought to us by DelVal Insurance, where you can save up to 40% of your car insurance right now. Just call partners Fran or Jim at DelVal Insurance. And here's how you can connect with DelVal.
11: My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget.
1: My wife was in an accident that changed our lives
6: forever. She was in rehabilitation for years. She had to learn to walk again, She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey. Tell us your story. of life, First Trust Bank is there for you, because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia Bank.
7: Some say courage is something you're born with. Others say courage is something you find. In every generation throughout history, courage has been celebrated. Sought after, needed, it holds the potential for a life of impact. But what if courage isn't just something you hope for or stumble upon? What if courage is something that can be shaped at a place that inspires you, where leaders invest in you, your community believes in you, and your life becomes something bigger than it could ever be alone?
9: Buy Hooters things, Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
10: Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
7: So Good Now helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
10: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations
7: like So Good Now. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
10: E-A-G-L-E-S.
2: Eagles. It is the Pond Hockey. Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino and through the wee hours of the morning. Thanks for hanging with us. I'm Mike Massanelli with Mark Marzetta, Kayla Santiago, Seth Joyner. It is time to extend the play. With Mark Farzad. I don't know where you're extending, <laughs> but I'm curious to find out, brother. I mean, the only oh, way sorry, we can sorry, Bill Calarulo is here, not
4: Kayla. You look like Kayla for a second. <laughs> I apologize. A
2: little bit. A little <laughs> bit. I'm sorry. Go
4: ahead, Mark. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I got to go with Drew Locke at the end of the game. 92-yard scoring drive. Uh, perfect pass. Perfect catch by uh, Smith and Jigma there to uh, reel that in. Extending the play. That was the one that extended it there. For the seahawks to be able to get the win it was absolutely incredible by them good to them but you know what we also do have to give a hat tip to our friends at EBO, the ebod foundation because just like football michael just like football the team's strength lies in its players and in some instances coaches or maybe others that want to help promote them, like us here at Jacob Media that is promoting the EBOD Foundation and their battle against Alzheimer's and their help and assistance to Alzheimer's research and battling against dementia as well. And all football season long, we've been telling about the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation, and your donation today not only supports this critical mission, but also energy to win a trip, how about this, to the big game in Vegas. This is your opportunity to win two tickets to the big game, two nights in a hotel, and two thousand dollars in cash for expenses. All you have to do is text the word "score" to eight three three two zero two nine eight three five. That's eight three three two zero two nine eight three five, and you'll receive info on how to enter and win this fantastic trip. Together, let's triumph over Alzheimer's. And there it is, right there. You make sure you use promo codes: Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun, and Team Farzi as well. All to help the EBOD Foundation. Very well done and a very good cause uh, for us to be partnered with.
2: Uh, So let's dissect this game a little bit. Um, The Eagles got on the board real quick, and they did it running the football. So they go 15 plays, 10 of them are rushes, 8 minutes and 30 seconds they chew off the clock They go 75 yards. They're up 7 to nothing. Seattle punts after their first drive the Eagles go three and out but then they come back after another Seattle punt with another drive where they run the football they go 16 plays 63 yards to get a field goal but 11 runs and five passes in that drive 21 runs
5: in those two scoring drives Bill where did that go Where's it been all year? I did a tweet early in the game. That was the first time we've seen DeAndre Swift get double-digit carries in the first half since week two against the Minnesota Vikings. That Minnesota Vikings game was the only time all season that they gave DeAndre Swift double-digit carries in both halves. He went off for 175 yards in that game. They tried to get him the ball a little bit in the second half. They gave it to him eight times, but I think the biggest thing – That was criminal in that game is when Jalen Hurts threw that interception to Quez Watkins. First of all, why you're trying to target Quez Watkins is a whole other question. But why you're taking a deep shot there. Your running game is starting to get established again. You're driving down the field. Why take that shot there? Seth's called it greedy offense. It's been greedy all season long. You didn't have to take that shot, especially to Quez Watkins, who hasn't won a 50-50 ball his entire career. So I don't know why they continue to get away from DeAndre Swift. I think if they would have leaned on him that entire football game, they probably win this football football game.
2: Uh, they, they when Seattle tied the game at 10-10, the Eagles I thought put together a tremendous drive. I thought it was the game-winning drive, frankly. They they get they get up 17 to 10 in that drive. They went 12 plays 75 yards. They converted 3 for 3 on third down in that drive. A third and 9 uh, first down, a throw to A.J., a second and 13, Goddard was big, a third and three where he rolled right, and then he hit Devontae in the seam for 17 yards. Swift for eight, boom, boom, easy peasy, tush-push TD, 17 to 10. That's where the game should have ended because they did hold Seattle to a field goal, and at that point, when you're up 17 to 13, you should win that game when you got Seattle In a situation where they have to go 92 yards with Drew Locke averaging five yards in the
4: attempt, and they do it. It's still mind-boggling to me. Well, I mean, look, I want to go back, and I want to talk about play calling, and I'd love to complain about the play calling. There's certainly a lot of room for that. But I just keep going back to the execution of the quarterback. I mean, if you were ever, if you're a Jalen Hurts hater, congratulations. Today's a big win for you. Because Jalen Hurts, I think, played his worst game Other than, I mean, some of the interceptions there against the Jets weren't all his fault, but still not his best game by far. But this game, in terms of the execution, it was there and then it wasn't. And it was there the most in the early goings of this game when the coaching staff has their fingerprints on the outcome of the game the most, when they actually script for the game plan and what they're going to be executing in the game. And they executed it well in that opening drive. They got back to it a little bit and then it went away from it. But the decision-making overall by Jalen Hurts, I believe, cost this team more than anything did throughout this entire game you see them put up 20 points you think the Eagles got to win this game you have an MVP caliber quarterback a guy that was a runner-up in the MVP award a year ago go up against this secondary go up against this defense and they can't even get to the average points allowed by the Seahawks 24 on this season they only get the 17 points and the interception Bill was just talking about the thing that's so nerve-wracking about that Mikey just left off right there at the 17 to 3 point in the game Eagles have the ball Eagles are driving it's a first and ten, just like at the end of the game where there was no reason to air it out to A.J. Brown. There was no reason to air it out down the field. If you're going to throw that football, then that damn well be, better be a touchdown or, at the worst-case scenario, it's a drastic overthrow out of the back of the end zone. You can't underthrow that football in that type of coverage.
3: That was horrible. You know, Nick Sirianni and this football team, these, Nick Sirianni talks a lot about situational football. But not only do, you know, I I wonder how much they actually practice it and how much they talk about it because situationally they've been horrible this year. This isn't the first time something like this happened. The first Washington game when they throw the touchdown instead of running the clock out, the Jets game where they decide to throw the ball and Jalen throws the interception and the Jets intercept it and run it all the way back to the 15 and then they got to let them score situationally they talk about situational football there's even players every, every once in a while that's on on their on their their social media that's talking about situational football when it comes up and yet they don't exercise you know the best the best decision making I should say in situational situations because you want to know something listen if the if the if the offensive coordinator is putting is putting a play call in okay The play clock is 25 seconds. The minute the ball hits the ground, they wind the play clock. So now the coaching staff has 10 seconds, okay, to actually talk, and it might be longer than that. They got 10 seconds to actually talk to the quarterback before 15 seconds of communication is cut off, okay? So not only the offensive coordinator has the ability to talk to the quarterback, but I believe the head coach also has the ability to have those conversations too why aren't they talking about the situational awareness that they're always preaching about? Telling Jalen, okay, let's take what the defense is giving us. There's no need to, there's no need to take a shot down the field, okay? Um, take the sack because the clock will keep running. That will leave them less time to be able to come back in this football game, okay? To me, that's the situational football. Those, those decisions are the things that are missing. Yeah, no, said- and, you know, the quarterback has got to make the right decisions. But he's got to be coached and taught those things as well. That in those situations, this is where your mind, this is where your thinking should be pre-snap.
2: I I get that. But it's still, when that interception happened, there was eight minutes left in the game. And and at that point, you still have time to lock it down. Because Seattle, you back Seattle into a corner where they had to go 92 yards. I just just can't get past the third and 10 Uh, completion uh, uh, to D.K. Metcalf. That, that, like, this guy hasn't thrown
4: the ball down the field the whole game. Third and ten, he completes that. I'm just like, come on. I was half kidding with you, Mike. When yeah. you, you said they, they got this, you know, that's it, yeah. let's go down. And the yeah. they were we coming down the set. But I'm like, they're going to play against this secondary, which is also not worth bragging about, with the backups that they have in there right now. Drew Locke is not some god-awful quarterback. I think he's an he's average. He's close to god-awful. <laughs>
2: I, I would label you're him as an average not quarterback. He's throw the ball five yards down the field. But
4: you know what's going to happen at the end of a game with just about every football team out there, especially the Philadelphia Eagles. Are they going to pressure? Hell no. They're not going to pressure. So they're going to give them all day to throw. And that wide receiving core, which is absolutely above average, is going to be able to make plays on this secondary. And they put... The thing that, is, that really bothers you about me, at least, about the, the, the first and ten interception there in the end zone that t- Quez Watkins was targeted was that you had the dagger in your hand. You had the nail and hammer in your hand to put it in the coffin of the Seattle Seahawks, and you air yeah. that kind of throw out. But you're right. 92 yards, yeah, you I, should be I able just, to stop too long. I can't get it. But they I weren't. Did you, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to
3: you... ask you guys this question before you go, Bill. Okay. So, Darren Slay is out for two to three weeks with his knee issue. James Bradbury, it's apparent that he's cooked. You put Keeley Ringo in, and I thought he played a pretty darn good game. I don't understand why they were in and out with these young guys. If he's in there and he's playing well, let him play, okay? So the question moving forward, do you trust James Bradbury to continue to play the way he's been playing? And if you don't, you know, do you make the decision – to either put Josh Jobin in his place as a starter or Eli Ricks in his place as a starter and go with two young guys on the corners for the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Did you guys see the stats
5: coming out of the game? Ringo and Ricks were targeted five times. They gave up zero receptions. James Bradbury was targeted eight times. He gave up seven catches for 116 yards, a touchdown touchdown. And a passer rating of one eighteen point eight
2: inexplicable. But
5: here's it. the problem: I agree with you, Seth. I bench James Bradbury, and I would go with the young guys. The problem with that is that would be Howie Roseman admitting the mistake of them giving James Bradbury a new deal. I don't think they can get out from this deal. What's I think they he would both be,
3: both of them were a mistake. But,
5: but I think both, James Bradbury, if they tried to move on from him at the end of the season, I think he's got like a twelve million dollar dead cap eat hit, it. hit
3: next. Year. You eat it. There's no way in God's green earth you can bring him back at 12 million dollars next year. You absolutely unless there's some kind of injury that we're not privy to that's inhibiting his ability to go out and play at the level that he played at last year, then you yeah. eat that. Because you know you got to get you got to get healthy there. I listen, people somebody tweeted, you know, if you could go back and undo something that Howie did in last year in free agency and change it, what would it be? Okay? The question my answer was okay. You sign C.J. Gardner Johnson, and then you make a choice between either Slay or Bradbury. But you don't sign yeah, two thirty-year-old yeah, plus totally plus, plus guys that's back. The time, and that's then, what they done. and then on number uh, on the the second first rounder that you have, or the se- first second round pick that you have, you go and you get a young corner that you can develop for down the road. Those are the changes that you make because everything else that they've done is a moot issue. you got two 30-year-old cornerbacks that you're paying $12 million each, and neither one of them you know, can, can run and get it done the way they really need to get it done. Now, Darius Slade will, uh, will defend himself, but show me the big plays, Mr. Slade.
5: The other yeah. problem they, Howie Roseman made was they put too much faith again in Avante Maddox, who's proven time and time again, we as good as he is up. when he's healthy, he can't stay healthy. Yeah. All right, let's get into game
2: balls. Brought to us by Colony Pools. Check it out online at flywithcolony.com. Don't even like ask me on punting. We'll <laughs> uh, give it to the punter. Right yeah, sign, sign, sign up right now for Colony Pools Winter Watch Program. It's a great program if you have a pool. Get your custom Kelly Green pool cover delivered in 2024. Although the luster on the Kelly Green is a little dimmer as we speak tonight. Game balls, folks. I, you know, screw it. I'm going to give it to, to the guy who deserved it tonight, Kenneth Walker the Third. Carried 19 times for 86 yards. He caught a couple passes uh, for 26. He he held them up for a long time, so he's getting my game ball tonight. You got an eagle you want to give a game ball to? Oh, go God, ahead knock no. yourself out.
4: Absolutely not. Uh, I well, Jake Elliott maybe again, but no. I, I go with Drew Locke, the guy that got the football in his hands with 92 yards in front of him, and he said, to hell with this. We're going downtown, baby. And he was the guy that, look, bottom line is he – Doubled up Jalen Hurts' passer rating I Think about that for a second. He doubled up, more than doubled up Jalen Hurts' passer rating. I'm going with Drew Locke. Congratulations. Eagles suck. <laughs>
2: you
9: know
5: who you got? Eagles what suck. game ball you have up your sleeve. Look, nobody deserves a game ball on that eagle side of the ball, but I bet you a guy who's going to bed maybe a little bit with a smile on his face Maybe Sean Desai (laughs) because it was, hey, you thought I was the problem? Great call, Patricia, on that last play, putting James Bradbury man-to-man by himself on Jackson Smith-Najigba. You should have had Ringo out there, maybe even Eli Ricks because Bradbury couldn't cut it. So, hey, Sean Desai maybe gets a little victory tonight. Oh, man, Sean Desai, cynical. Seth, who you got?
3: Hey, listen, you know what, man? The the – These are some of the same issues we talked about it in pregame that plagued uh, Matt Patricia in Detroit, you know, played a lot of cover one, a lot of man coverage. And even when, you know, people made a big deal about it, he wouldn't back off of it, you know, Um, and it wound up biting this team, you know, in the most critical game of the season. Listen, I I don't have a game ball, man. Like I told you, I'm punting. You know, there's nobody that's worthy, you know, when you lose a game like this against a team like this. There's no one worthy of a game ball.
2: That's why I gave it to Seattle. Uh, I can't go that give far. Give a game huh? ball to Eagles. Was I
5: wasn't play. on the last segment with, with John McMullen. Did you guys talk to him at all about Jalen Hurts' comments about how this team needs to have more commitment? Yeah. I brought it
2: up. What him, did he yeah. say about that? Uh, I don't know. Well, you remember what he said about that? Well, Jalen, Jay- he's not alone. J- yeah.
3: Jalen basically said, "You know, hey, I don't have a dictionary in front of me, but you know, you know, it, it's the word commitment. Yeah. What does it mean?" It's just interesting to me that that's the that's the comment after this game, especially
5: with some of the bad decisions that Jalen hurts. Well,
2: made. that's it, what I. That's how I, I asked the question. because, <laughs> you know, of all guys, like he. He, he really didn't look that committed tonight either. He, he to did say,
4: but. you know, it does you – know, he sounded like a coach. It, it starts with me. I, yeah. gotta, I have to improve on what I'm doing out there, but I felt certain guys – I felt we weren't committed enough tonight. All right, let's take a break. We'll tonight? come back.
2: We still have to give our defender of the game, and we'll close it down and look ahead to this season and where it's headed. It is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show with the gang right here, live at Ocean Casino, back after this. <laughs>
11: My name is uh, Fran Solano, I'm a Managing Director here at Valle Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call, let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Eat
9: chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard, give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
7: Do you stream on a Roku, a fire stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on, always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
5: My right Eagles,
2: Miley, Jack, right. Uh, it's the Eagles uh, post-game show, uh, uh, Pond La Hockey Eagles post-game show, live at Ocean Casino, and it is time for our Land Rover of Willow Grove Defender of the Game, presented by Jaguar Land Rover of Willow Grove. Go test drive a new Defender; you'll absolutely love it. So let's get into our defender of the game. Uh, all right, the defense had a different coordinator uh, tonight. Um, who stood out to you as the defender of the game, Farzi? I mean, I
4: got to give a lot of credit to uh, Keely Ringo for being able to go out there in his first NFL start and actually hold down the fort in place of Darius Slay. I did not expect him to have the performance. I did not expect at the end of the game to be calling for more Keely Ringo, and sure enough, there we were. He was motivated back in his hometown. It was ext- extremely motivated being back in Seattle and I'll, just, I'll say this, name, and I said something similar last week about Sidney Brown. Sidney Brown actually played a really good second quarter and then played a terrible third quarter where I think he missed a total of four tackles in that one quarter. But there's something I see in him that I don't see in the rest of this defense, which is at least the willingness to make a play. He's not there yet in the ability to make a play. He's at least in the right spot. The wrapping up, taking down, certainly got to work on that aspect of it. But I don't see a lot of get up and go. I don't see a lot of guys that have the same energy and boost that he has. So I'm hoping that's something that by the end of the season, if not in the early portions of next year, something that gets harnessed because I think the Eagles could have something in him. Talk about that horrible play that he made when missing Kenneth Walker and that run for the touchdown. The run for the touchdown, and then it, one was in the backfield that he had him wrapped. Well, he had his arms around his shoulders, but that's never a good idea for the young kids at home. Uh, don't wrap at the shoulders. And then also one of the backfield where he and then Shaq Leonard missed in the backfield on the uh, the, uh, the out route.
3: You know what his issue is, He He wants to play well so bad that he plays the game with reckless abandon and you want players like that you know he has to learn how to temper himself in certain situations you know because he's got one speed and it's like all out all the time you know but I used to you know I used to I used to coach my young kids I'm like listen if a guy can see you he's not going to just stand there and let you blow him up you got to take your kill shot when he's like When somebody else has his eyes you know now you take your kill shot but if he can see you the object is to get him on the ground so you got to learn how to temper it you got to learn how to slow down there's times where you got to go at 70 miles an hour and there's times where you got to go at 100 miles an hour and then sometimes you got to throttle it all the way down to 65 so that your eyes so you're sure that you see what you see before you shoot your cannon with him it's like I see it, I'm going to get it 100 kind all of, the time.
2: It's kind of like, like a guy you played with. At first, Andre Waters was like that at first oh, yeah. until he, he had to learn it to tone it down. You know what would
5: have been nice? If Denard Wilson was back there coaching that secondary. Because <laughs> Sidney Brown, I don't know, is he getting the proper coaching on this defensive I, coaching staff? I,
3: I think that's an issue across the board. I don't think it's just Sidney Wilson. I mean Sidney Brown that, that is, you know, that's missing – some elite-level coaching. I think that, you know, some of these – Some I, I believe the DB coach, this might be his first year as a defensive back coach in the National Football League, if I'm not if I'm not but, mistaken. And so, that's
5: what makes it so much more frustrating with this decision to go with Sean Desai because they passed over Denard Wilson, and because of that, he left, he goes to Baltimore, well, and now you've seen the secondary take a huge step
3: back. Of course. I mean, when the players have, have, have co-signed for him and you decide to go in a different direction, then all of a sudden – you know, you have a coach who can't give them the technical and fundamental fundamentals that they need, you know, that's problematic. But, you know, going back to Sidney Brown, you know, he needs someone to teach him, you know, how to temper how he plays the game because, you know, what, Farzee, he is, he is a special player. And he's small, but he'll hit you. You know, he's just got to figure out, you know, when to go 100 miles an hour and when to, when to pair it down and understand that, you know, you're playing against against Walker tonight, that tackle that he missed, you're playing against a guy that you probably give away 25 to 30 pounds to. Don't tackle him up high. He can't run without his legs. Take the legs and wait for everybody else to come to the party.
2: Well, he should have known that because he played in the same damn conference
3: uh, against Kenneth Walker. Listen, I, I, you know, I, I get it. But, you know, when you got hyper-aggressive guys that see yeah. their opportunity to seize their position, you know, He's trying to take advantage of it. I get it. But you still got to gotta temper yourself because the game is not always 120 miles an hour. No, I get isn't. it.
2: All right, let, let's look at the remaining schedule. And, you know, I, I don't know if we reacted emotionally to say that. My defender, by,
3: my defender of the game, by the way, is uh, Keely Ringo. Okay. I want to see him right. remain as the starter for the rest of the year to see what he can be because the Eagles clearly have to get younger at the corner position.
2: I worry about his speed a little bit, but okay. Uh, Giants at home, 430, Christmas Day. Do you believe that they can lose that game or they will? I'm telling you, I find it hard to believe they're going to lose four straight with that team at home being the team that beats them for the fourth straight time, so I'm going to say they win that game. Uh, the question was, could they? Absolutely, they, they could. could. Yeah, but will, do, will yeah. they lose that game next week? No, they will okay. not lose that game. All, to the all right, so we're yeah. we're good now. We're yeah. still good. And then we go Arizona home, one o'clock game.
5: Gee. Jonathan Gannon coming back. Um, right? I forget about who's coming back. Wait, but but oh, real quick, <laughs> that e- on that Eagles-Giants, Eagles are 10.5-point favorite. Okay, all <laughs> right.
2: All right, where well, do you that go? All all That's right, right, so crazy. Let's go, let's go to the next I one. I don't
5: think they lose to the Arizona Cardinals because I don't think the Cardinals are a good team. But, look, anything's possible. Okay, so
2: the last game then is the game that, that nobody cares yeah. about. And if they win the out, they Giants, win
5: the NFC East. And they get the two seed. And then they lose in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> That's why I said last week I didn't Seth, care about the Seth, standards. You know,
2: I understand that they could, but the way I'm looking at it now, I, I find it hard to believe they're going to lose any of these remaining three games.
3: Let me tell you something, okay? What's one of the things that the Eagles struggle with the most? You know, they struggle they struggle with pressure on the offensive side of the ball because their mentality, as we talked about tonight, Farsi, they don't have – the sight adjustment built into their offense when you blitz them and they see it their intent is to take the deep shot down the field that's where they believe that they can take the shot down the field and you want to know something (laughs) i was guilty of this along with a lot of other people about jonathan gannon being as passive as he was last year the Eagles are about to see some blitzes that they never even imagined that Jonathan Gannon has in his repertoire because he is down in Arizona right now blitzing like he's lost his damn mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I you go. I guess they could lose to Arizona. I, I don't. Oh, know. that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. The bottom line, I'm not is...
3: saying that they are going to lose to him. Yeah, I'm just uh... saying be prepared and be ready because somewhere along the way, there is an opportunity if, for the Eagles to 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 lose. One more game along the way. You're, really talking about
5: a, you're talking about a Cardinals team that beat the Cowboys. I mean, they have the capability yeah, I, of winning games. I, I
2: get it. That's probably the only game that I guess I worry a little bit about because they're not going to lose that last game to the Giants either. So it, it all comes down to like, what their playoff success could possibly be. And as the two seed, they I guess they could lose the first game. I, I don't know. It's a home game. Who knows? Uh, all right. A, a, let's wrap it up. We're all stunned here. Let's say goodbye to the people who stayed up with us really late. We really appreciate it. Uh, for Mark Farzetta, Bill Calarulo, Kay- Kayla Santiago, and, of course, Seth Joyner. I'm Mike Misnelli. Thanks for watching the Panama Hockey Eagles postgame show. And we'll be at it next week Gone, with the by Giants. It. We'll see what happens. Good night, everybody. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.
7: Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
10: E-A-G-L-E-S.
8: Eagles.